0: MIDI clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com.
1: By popular demand, we're now offering a payment method in addition to PayPal, which has served us well for a long time. You now can sign up directly on our VIP signup form and become a VIP member in about 30 seconds by entering your debit or credit card number right on our signup form. We use the Stripe Payment Service. It's safe, it's secure, it's encrypted, and we never see the details. But within a minute, you're a VIP member. And we're running a sale right now. It's our second sale of 2020, just announced this month. You can go VIP for just 99 cents for a full month. That'll cover everything we do for SummerSlam, TakeOver 30, and All Out, with everything else before, during, and in between. All you have to do is enter August 2020. As the coupon code on our streamlined, simplified sign-up form. Go to pwtorch.com govip. That is pwtorch.com slash govip. That'll tell you everything about what comes with the VIP membership, the weekly newsletter, PDF and all-text format, exclusive content, a lot of my writing, editorials, cover stories, our staff feature columns, and so much more. Again, in PDF and all-text format, plus our entire podcast lineup, new podcasts every single day that are VIP-exclusive, ad-free versions of the Wade Keller Podcasts and the PW Torch Daily Cast, and archives dating back to the late 1980s, over 1,600 back issues of the Pro Wrestling Torch Weekly newsletter, hundreds of retro radio shows from the 1990s, plus an ad-free version of our redesigned and revamped website, pwtorch.com. Check out the new look, the new logo, the new layout, and enjoy it ad free as a VIP member. Again, go to pwtorch.com/govip, and for just ninety nine cents, that's nine dollars off our monthly sub. By the way, you can apply the nine dollar discount to our three month and one year sub if you'd rather. Go to pwtorch.com/govip, click on the sign up form, and then enter coupon code August twenty twenty. You can still use PayPal. Or you can enter your credit card or debit card directly on our signup form. It takes just 90 seconds, and you will unlock access to over three decades of Torch-style wrestling coverage. There's an unmatched incredible array of insider information, editorials, interviews, contemporaneous coverage of pro wrestling's biggest matches, biggest events. Check it out, pwtorch.com govip. Come on back or join us for the first time. Enter coupon code AUGUST2020 to get $9 off whatever VIP subscription term you choose. That brings one month down to just 99 cents. Give it a shot. We think you will love it. We appreciate your support.
0: Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, achy joints, weight gain. Maybe you're thinking they're all just part of getting older, or that's what your doctor tells you. But Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all be connected. of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. When your body changes, your care should too. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. It's true that some things change as we get older, but if you're a woman over 40 and you're dealing with insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, and weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging.
2: If it's Sunday, it's Wrestling Night in America here on PWTorchDailyCast.com. Good Sunday evening for September 13th, 2020. I am Pro Wrestling Torch columnist Greg Parks here on Wrestling Night in America talking about all the big events in pro wrestling. And we've got a lot to talk about tonight. Raw is in your face on Monday. We've got a lot of email questions related to SmackDown. We've got Clash of Champions coming up in two weeks. We'll have a full preview of that card on next week's show. We'll talk NXT and AEW as well as starting off with New Japan. And to help me break down some of the latest happenings in New Japan Pro Wrestling, it's PWTorch.com contributor Frank Petiani. Frank, uh, welcome once again to Wrestling Night in America.
3: Hey, Greg, what's going on? Great to be here. And are we calling this Wrestling Night in America in your face tonight?
2: Um, no, I, I don't plan on being as in our uh, listeners' face as apparently Raw plans on being. Um, so we'll, we'll uh, forego that. But, uh, yeah, that's that's going to be interesting to talk about a little later on in the show. Um, but as I said, I, I wanted to start with New Japan and... This is the first time I've had a co-host here in a month, because we've had back-to-back-to-back pay-per-view review episodes of Wrestling Night in America, SummerSlam, uh, Payback, and then we had uh, AEW All Out, so uh, I'm glad I get to uh, talk to a co-host here to help me break some things down this week, but Frank, I want to start with Naito winning the IWGP Heavyweight and Intercontinental titles over Evil at Summer Struggle inside the stadium there. And um, I, I kind of wanted to get your thoughts on that, because I think Evil, his initial win surprised a lot of people, and it got, I think, some pretty negative reaction. And, and I'm not sure that New Japan is used to getting uh, as negative reaction as they have uh, during uh, Evil's title win and thereafter. So I kind of wanted to, to get your take on whether you thought this might have been a change of plans on on the part of new japan based on their reaction or you know the way ghetto is famous for planning things out months years in advance was just this something they wanted to pop onto evil for a short time so he'd have a little more credibility going forward they could call him a former njpw heavyweight champion or iwgp heavyweight champion rather so uh, i'm curious on your take on whether it was a change of plans or whether it was a planned short title reign in your opinion yeah,
3: I mean, I'm curious if, um, you know, we didn't have all the uh, the COVID stuff going on, if that uh, New Japan Cup was actually meant for Jay White. Uh, I think that's what the plan was. I'm not sure, but I'm wondering if, if that was actually the plan. And because they couldn't get Jay White, uh, they looked at it as an opportunity to, you know, get Evil in there. And as you said, uh, get him a championship win. With you, I had no problem with. I, I, I thought it was. Uh, I thought it was fine. Um, you know, a little surprising, but uh, I, I thought it was overall good. It uh, they did with him what I wish they had done with Braun Strowman three years ago when he was getting all those championship matches. I wish they got him a win at that point because I think that he would have had a little more credibility going forward. So you know, this does give. Uh, this does give evil an opportunity to, to have that. And, uh, you know, I know we're going to talk about the, uh, the blocks later and I see that evil is, uh, is in the B block, So, you know, you definitely have some, uh, you definitely have some storylines there, especially with the fact that Sonata is in the B block with him. You know, that, that's a match that I've got, uh, really penciled on my, uh, on my uh, car, you know, on my calendar to see how that goes. Uh, and then, uh, you know, who knows? I mean, Ghetto, from what I've learned watching New Japan for the last two years with Ghetto, there's, it's not, I, I don't think he has short-term plans. I mean, he might have short-term plans, but I think he does things with a long-term vision in mind. Meaning, okay, let's get the title on evil, even if it is for a month or two. That's fine. You know, we can, hit, we can give it back to Naito and then that'll set something up down the line. I mean, for all intents and purposes, um, you know, you could, you could have Evil come out of the D-block, you know. And um, you can even have Evil win this thing. You know, it, it's, just, it's, just a, it's just a possibility. So um, I, think, I think he has something in mind with this down the line. What that is, I don't know. But uh, just looking at, as I said, looking at the B block, you know, there definitely might be. And and who knows, you know, these blocks might have come together uh, just recently. There might have been a little bit of a switch up because of the evil win and because of not having Jay White in the uh, New Japan Cup. So, uh, uh, I mean, I get the negativity. I I do get it. To be quite honest, Greg, it was my first dose of negativity with New Japan since I watched, you know. So uh, I didn't know quite how to, how to handle it, you know. But um, I didn't have a problem with it, and, and I think that has a lot to do with my uh, my faith in their booking. I mean, Ghetto Ghetto probably uh-huh. knows what he's doing next year at this point. So anyway, yeah. not, not to not to ramble on as I tend to do. Uh, but yeah, I'm 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 good with it. Good good job, uh, New Japan.
2: It was certainly a surprise, uh, and I think if if New Japan felt that they might get lost in the wrestling shuffle or fans may have sort of put them on the back burner because they were one of the few promotions that um, actually went dark during much of the, the late spring and early summer during the bulk of the COVID stuff. And they certainly came back with a bang and got people talking. And sometimes that's what you have to do. And I don't think it hurt Naito to lose to EVIL. And, you know, him getting a title back, it, 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 you look back on it sort of more as a bump in the road than anything else. I, I think the problem for a lot of people was that New Japan has a certain quality of main events that they have established over the last several years. And those main events are carried by the IWGP Heavyweight Champion. And Evil just was not able to live up to that that standard. Um, you know he's a different kind of cat, I guess. So you know that's it's he's not he's the more methodical wrestler. Uh, So he's not Okada, he's not Kenny Omega, he's not you know any of those guys who have come before him. He's not even Naito, Uh, and Naito has slowed down a little bit too. Yeah, I mean if you I think if you look back at it, I don't think it was as bad as people feared it was going to be when he first won it. So I think that's kind of and it was quick, you know, so he's got that credibility boost by having beaten Naito, by having been a double champion, even though it was short-term. So I, I think, Frank, my, my follow-up question was going to be, do you do you see that title reign as an overall positive for New Japan and for EVIL? Um, I would say, and I didn't really think I'd be on this side when it first happened, I think it was overall positive.
3: Yeah, I think it's overall a positive. I mean, I you know, you've got the you don't want to rely on the same people over and over again. I mean, you mentioned, you know, Naito is slowing down. I mean, eventually at some point, Naito is going to slow down, Tanahashi's going to slow down, Ishii's going to slow down. I mean, all your top dogs are going to slow down, so other people do have to step in. And, you know, I think what you did by giving Evil the title, you know, let's say you want to advance to Yoshihashi, in the B block, let's say you want to advance a Hiroki Goto. You know, a win overnight, a former IWGP uh, champion, could help do that. You know, so you give yourself right. you give yourself that advantage. I mean, like I said, I I, I tend to uh, I tend to think that there's a plan in mind for this, and th- and that's why they did it. And um, you know, it was also, I mean, to facilitate um, Evil joining the Bullet Club which I thought was a smart move. It'll be interesting to see what happens um, moving forward, you know, as, as you bring uh, as you bring Switchblade back into the fold. How do the two of them coexist in the Bullet Club? I don't know if there's going to be any strife. I know that, uh, you know, New Japan likes to, <laughs> likes to have strife in the Bullet Club uh, as, mm-hmm. uh, as we move along. So we'll see how that, uh, you know, we'll see how that uh, moves along. But uh, to answer your question, uh, no, I see it as an overall positive. And I see, you know, I, I think you might have asked me uh, what I thought about the Knights or win back. Uh, and I don't know if I answered you before, but I think it's I think it's fine. You know, I mean, he has that, uh, I, I guess he has that moniker of, um, you know, losing the title, not being able to defend the title or something something like that. But, you know, I think this, uh, you know, this helps kind of shake that, uh, that ghost a little bit. So uh, I, I'm, I'm actually curious what they're going to do, you know, as we head towards, uh, as we head towards Wrestle Kingdom, as we one starts one I, I would assume that, you know, they'll just keep the title on Naito at this point, you know, as we head towards January. Assuming that's when Wrestle, I don't know if they're going to push back Wrestle Kingdom, but uh, I doubt it, right? Because usually it's uh, January 4th. Um, right, right. I would assume at this point, we're ready in September. I, I would assume he just keeps the title. So I'm really... I'm really kind of excited looking at these blocks uh, to see how things are going to uh, shake out you know, as the G1 unfolds.
2: And we'll talk about those blocks in just a moment. We'll go to the phones first, 515-605-9345 is the number to call. If you'd like to uh, comment on anything that we're talking about here on Wrestling Night in America, we'll go to the phones, and it's uh, Ryan from Cumberland, Maryland first up. Ryan, uh, thanks for calling in again tonight. Uh, what's the first of your three-pack of questions?
4: Okay, uh, first question, a uh, wrestling observer said today that uh, Ring of Honor is bringing back the uh, pure wrestling title in the tournament format. If someone uh, pointed a gun to your head, who would you uh, pick as the favorite to win that tournament without knowing the names yet?
2: Um, gosh, yeah, I would have to see a, a list of, um, of combatants there. Uh, you know, uh, Ring of Honor you know, it started sort of as this pure wrestling company and they've gotten away from that, you know, and and become more of a sports entertainment, um, company, I guess, you know, they've gotten away from some of the, the stuff that made it, um, um, that pure alternative where it was just wrestling and it was clean finishes and it was shaking your opponent's hand and everything like that. um, you know, there, there's reports that the first couple matches, Jay Lethal versus Dalton Castle, Jonathan Gresham versus Wheeler Yuta. Um, so, you know, there's there's also, um, and I'm, I'm going right on the ROH website here on this because I don't know offhand, PJ Black, Tony Deppen, David Finley, uh, Jay Lethal, Jonathan Gresham, Rocky Romero, Matt Seidel, Tracy Williams, Josh Woods, Wheeler Yuta. I mean, Tracy Williams is a name that stands out to me as someone who, um, has the potential, you know, if we're looking at it from a a, a who would best fit the pure wrestling moniker, you know, uh, Tracy Williams. I think what I think Jay would be interesting oh, as uh, as a winner. Jonathan Gresham stands out to me too. Um, Frank, I don't know how plugged in you are to ROH or, or any of those wrestlers, but uh, for this pure tournament in ROH, are there any names that stand out to you who could be um, a locker room leader for the uh, for the winner of that tournament?
3: <laughs> well, Greg, Remember, uh, remember, I went to the uh, I went to the MSG show last year. I uh, I kind of unplugged after then, so uh, <laughs> yeah. I haven't uh, I haven't really <laughs> been in it. I got I got the I got the, uh, I got the tournament up. Um, you know, I keep I keep up with them on the periphery. I know we got uh, you know uh, Tyler Sage and Ryan Sullivan to do a great job with that, and uh, those yeah. are definitely the go-to guys here at the Torch. Um, Matt Seidel actually sticks out to me. You know, um, that's, uh, that's somebody, uh, Jonathan Gresham. I'm just, forgive me for doing this off the cuff because, uh, I haven't really, uh, I mean, I know they're running the thing. Uh, well, Jay Lethal sounds like a safe choice. Dalton Castle sounds like a safe choice. Uh, Finley, Rocky. I mean, you know, I, I, I always put my money on Rocky, but, uh, Young, who, who's, who's this guy here? Young.
5: Who's that? Is
3: that, uh, oh, Silas Young, um, Tracy Williams yeah I I remember Tracy Williams from the time I was following um yeah Tracy Williams uh I would think is possible and like I said for some reason Matt Seidel uh sticks out to me but that could also be my my bias you know having watched him in WWE as uh as I've been born and, you know, seeing him a little bit in impact. So, uh, and now he's, you know, with AEW. So, uh, take that with a grain of salt,
2: guys. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Ryan, back to you for your second question.
4: Yeah. Second question is, uh, if Triple H and Tenny Con would switch places, how do you think AEW and NXT would be any different from what they are now?
2: Oh, goodness. Um, (laughs) <laughs> that sounds like a column idea, actually. You may have just given me a, a future column idea. You know, I, I don't know. Um, I think they would probably more, be more similar than you'd think, um, to be honest with you. Um, I, I think Tony Khan, he seems like he would get restless kind of waiting in line and only being able to make nxt so big you know i think part of the reason he wanted to start aew was because he wanted to start something that was going to be you know national that was going to run major arenas that was going to run pay-per-view and and that sort of thing and some of those are you know nxt is getting to run more major arenas but it's it's they're not doing it weekly you know they have that home base and, Mm -hmm. and there's value in that certainly but I think you know Tony would get a it would get a little more impatient, um, waiting for the NXT brand to grow, waiting in line behind Vince McMahon, uh, creatively. Um, Triple H in um, in AEW, you know, I, I think that would look more similar. I, I think AEW is kind of what you, what NXT would look like if it was a standalone, more so than anything else. Um, but that's just kind of my first out-of-the-gate impressions. Frank, uh, what do you think about that intriguing uh, switching places? I think there's a movie in there somewhere of them switching places, but uh, uh, Tony Khan, if you were in charge of NXT and, and Triple H, if he were in charge of AEW, how would things look different?
5: Boy, if you could see the smoke
3: coming out of my head thinking right now, that, that's a really uh, <laughs> that's a really interesting question, and I am waiting now for that column. I think that has to be this week's column, Greg. No, I'm just kidding you. Um... <laughs> A Current, you know, Tony Khan. I, I can't see Tony Khan operating under somebody. Like, I think Tony Khan likes the fact that he has his own company that he can run it the way he wants. I mean, you're you're seeing, I guess, since AEW has been in existence, a lot of his you know vision and a lot of his uh, thoughts having watched. You know, all the ECW pay-per-views at WCW. I mean, you could see a lot of 90s wrestling in, uh, in AEW. And uh, it, it, frankly, it's a little troubling to me. But that's a different, uh, that's a different conversation. Um, I, I, I just don't... And again, this is a hot take. This is, this is not me having any time to think about it. Um, so my answer might be differently in a week. But uh, I, I can't see him operating that well under a Vince McMahon. Like, I think, you know, Tony's a guy that needs to have his own toy and his, and his own thing to play with, so to speak, uh, for lack of a better uh, metaphor. As far as Triple H, it, it depends on the Triple H you're, you're asking about. Is it the Triple H that had the WWE Network version of NXT? Or the USA version of NXT because, quite frankly, and Greg, I don't know if you agree with me, the USA version of NXT has started to look more main roster, uh, especially in the last eh, six months or so. I don't know. It mm-hmm. started to look more main roster. There's a lot of you know angles and a lot of you know crack finishes and you know matches given away on TV. You know, obviously because you have to fill a two-hour time slot. And again, I know I'm going into a different topic, but I'll bring it back to the original uh, question, Wh- which Triple H are we talking about? You know, I don't know if it's the Triple H that was uh, was running the inter- you know the the network version of NXT. Like you said, I agree. I think it would probably be the same. You know, I think that I think that Triple H has a vision for wrestling. He's a historian, and you know, you could see it in the. Um, in the network version back before they got on USA. You know, they had slow builds to matches. Um, you know, matches were rarely given away on TV or, you know, on the network shows. So, you know, and if there was one, it felt like a big deal. They, they made a point to tell you that it was happening. You know, whereas now you're getting matches, you know, announced via Twitter and, and just announced, you know, and, you know, good matches and all, but they're not, it just feels like they're giving matches away uh, versus what they used to do. So, um, yeah, I, I and I guess and I guess that's the, that's the Triple H that's more under uh, Vince McMahon. Uh, Vince McMahon's thumb because of the show being on USA. So I, I would think that the uh, the AEW brand would look more like the uh, the network version of NXT. Uh, I mean, you 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 asked about yeah. switching places. Well, I guess Triple H. I guess I guess Triple H has the company to himself in in, in Ryan's uh, scenario. So I I don't know yeah. if there's another scenario we had in mind. So anyway, that's just my uh, my hotsy. Mm-hmm.
0: Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, achy joints, weight gain. Maybe you're thinking they're all just part of getting older, or that's what your doctor tells you. But Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all be connected.
1: So a great way to keep up with what's going on in professional wrestling is a podcast like this. But if you want to get deep into a career, a personality, or an era of professional wrestling, Audible is the way to go. Audible is the leading provider of spoken word entertainment and audiobooks, ranging from bestsellers to celebrity memoirs, news, business, and self-development. And every month, members get one credit to pick any title, plus two Audible originals from a monthly selection and access to daily news digests from the New York Times, Wall Street Journal, and the Washington Post, as well as guided meditation programs, which might be helpful after a really disappointing wrestling event. I'm a big fan of Audible. I've been a member for years and years. It's how I've listened to some wrestling books, including Jim Ross, My Life in Wrestling. His new book is coming out later this month, Under the Black Hat. You can get that for free right now by becoming an Audible subscriber with a special offer we'll detail in just a moment. You can also download and listen to Kane's new book, Glenn Jacobs' new book that just came out. My Audible library includes a lot more than pro wrestling books. Right now I'm in the middle of Einstein. I also listen to Lose Weight Now by Alan Carr. I'm down 14 pounds since mid-December. I'm pretty close to my goal weight right now, and back to where I was when I was about 30, and it's because of this book setting me on the right course. Without doing any extra exercise compared to what I had been doing, and not feeling deprived or hungry pretty much ever. Also, Alan Carr has a book called The Easy Way to Quit Smoking. I know about a dozen people who have listened to that book and quit smoking for good. I can absolutely endorse that book if you're looking to quit smoking. He also has books on getting out of debt, on mindfulness, on the easy way to quit gambling, on quitting sugar, managing alcohol consumption, and more. So if you're uh, into fulfilling a New Year's resolution that lapsed by mid-January, hey, now's the time to get back on track with the help of an Alan Carr book. So whether it's uh, self-help or just learning about a fascinating historical figure or immersing yourself in the life and career of somebody like Jim Ross or Glenn Jacobs, Audible is the way to go. So, how does Audible work? Well, you can download titles and listen offline, anytime, anywhere, through the Audible app. The app is free and can be installed on all smartphones and tablets. I have it installed on both my Galaxy tablet and my Galaxy phone. Sometimes I set the uh, tablet up on the kitchen counter and play the audiobook while I'm cooking. You can listen across all devices without losing your spots. When I move from the tablet to my phone, it remembers where I am, which is nice. And if you can't decide what to listen to, don't worry, because you can store up your credits for up to a year. Then you can binge order a book series if something jumps out at you that is of interest. And by the way, it's not just books. They have guided wellness programs, theatrical performances, A-list comedy, exclusive Audible originals that you won't find anywhere else. It's, uh, it's fun just browsing. You know how you can do that on Netflix sometimes? Um, you can do that on Audible, too. Just browse through these audiobooks that will fit your mood. It's also a good way for me to wind down. At the end of the night, after doing uh, pro wrestling podcasting, I'll often put an audiobook on before falling asleep. And it takes my mind off of the day and makes me feel like my wind down period is, is productive uh, with the lights turned off. And as I mentioned with Audible, you can listen in the kitchen while you're cooking. You can listen while you're winding down at the end of the day. You can also turn it on while you're commuting or walking your dog or at the gym exercising. So here's what you do. Visit audible.com slash pwtorch. That's audible.com slash PWTorch, or simply text PWTorch to 500-500. There's no spaces in that, by the way. It's just P-W-T-O-R-C-H. Audible.com slash PWTorch, or text PWTorch to 500-500. And you can claim your free audiobook today.
0: Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, achy joints, weight gain. Maybe you're thinking they're all just part of getting older. A convenient telehealth visit with a MIDI clinician can be your first step to getting personalized care. They'll tailor a treatment plan for your symptoms and health history so you can get back to feeling great. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. When your body changes, your care should too. Book your virtual visit today at JoinMIDI.com. That's JoinMIDI.com. It's true that some things change as we get older.
2: That uh, that would be a a question that you know I I, I would I would like more time to marinate on you know that's a question that you ask like on a Me Monday too. for a Sunday podcast because that's a question I need all week to think about you yeah. know because that that's a that's a topic that you could dedicate an entire podcast to but um, we we do our best here uh, Ryan your third and final point for
4: us uh, third questions on NXT fit uh, news Tuesday night full time for some reason. Do you think that will help impact with there being more eyeballs on Tuesday nights, or do you think they'll be forced to uh, move to a different night like Thursday or a Saturday night? Uh,
2: Wade Keller has gotten a hold of the impact ratings of late, and they really took a hit when NXT moved to Tuesday night. And, you know, it would probably be in NXT's best interest to move to Tuesday night because they would get the viewers that have to choose between AEW and NXT and choose AEW, Um, but that would also help AEW, you know, so so the, the NXT move would help both companies, and I don't know how keen they are on helping AEW, even if it's to the detriment of NXT by a couple hundred thousand viewers. If they're running Wednesday nights and USA is happy enough with the ratings and the demographics then I see no reason WWE would want to change. If USA is happy with them and they're taking a chunk out of AEW's viewership, all the better. You know, I think that's kind of their attitude right now. Um, but yeah, I, I I think it would. I think it would hurt Impact. It. That's kind of the way it happened when NXT did their one show there on Tuesday night. But Frank, I mean, a permanent move to Tuesday night. Do you think? you know, how long would impact give it a go before they started to think, you know, maybe we need to move to a different night. There's not a night. There's not a lot of nights left for them to move to. Luckily the company that owns them also owns access TV. So they're, they're really, you know, they can, they can move whenever, uh, their ownership wants them to.
3: Boy, poor impact. They just take a beating every step of the way. Don't they? You know, they just, uh, but they they keep on surviving, right? I mean, they still they're still here after all these years. Um, the, I'm sorry, Greg. The question is, um, if NXT move would that force Impact to to move tonight? Is that the uh, the point of your question? I'm sorry.
4: Yeah.
2: Yep.
3: I, I I guess yeah. I mean, I guess they would have to. You know, if if they're taking a big hit, you know, I guess they would have to to get more viewers. Because I mean, if you know, if NXT is on. I mean, I I myself don't watch Impact anymore, so it doesn't matter to me, but if there's those fans that, um, you know, now anyway, with with Tuesday nights off, say, hey, you know, I'm going to check Impact out, then, um, you know, they're not going to do that if NXT is on Tuesday night, you know? So, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, I guess they would have to. But the question is, Greg, do they really, I mean, is viewership really even important at this point? I mean, I, I think the way Impact is, yeah, that's the fact the other question. that the company owns the network, um, does it really make a difference? You know, what what? how much money are, are they... You know, at least breaking even on on business partners, you know, advertising and stuff like that. I mean, if they're at least making money on it, or at least breaking even and not losing their shirt, and then making money elsewhere, I don't really see I don't really see the need. And I mean, I would think, um, you know, similar to NXT, where you could get the show. Uh, I think was it was 24 hours after it goes off the air on the network. I would think that you know, if you got people that are Impact Plus. Members, I would think that they could watch the show later in the week. I mean, I think wrestling companies in general, uh, maybe not so much WWE, but at least with you know the NXT side of things, I think that they know that hey, at least you know if our viewers don't watch the night of, they'll watch the night after, you know, or in a couple mm-hmm. of days. I mean, you can even watch it on demand. That's how I used to watch. Um, that's how I used to watch New Japan before I got a uh, World. Uh, last year, I used to work when I had access. I don't have access anymore, but I would watch it on demand. I wouldn't even DVR. I just go to the on demand and I and I watch it. So, uh, yeah, I guess I guess like I said, I guess it just comes down to dollars and cents. You know, is it uh, are they going to lose their shirt
2: if NXT stays on Tuesday? And uh, you know, if it's going to be a financial, yes, yeah, move. Yeah, I think you're right. You know, the, how much is access? interested in impact ratings or is it just kind of we're going to buy this to shore up our lineup to put something on our station you know and maybe cultivate a following and sell some pay views uh, i don't know it's hard to say because the, the business plan changes every time the ownership changes in impact and we just don't know what access is looking to get out of impact wrestling ryan uh... thank you for the phone call tonight look forward to hearing from you again soon
4: okay thanks for taking the call
2: Sure thing. Uh, back to New Japan, Frank, uh, and the blocks for the G1, which will take place September 19th through October 18th for just about a month. Um, of course, the G1 moving to the fall means that, uh, you know, I always enjoyed it during the summer because, you know, I could get up at, you know, four thirty, a.m. or whatever like that and go to Dunkin' Donuts, get a coffee and sit down for uh, the G1 and then go back, to, go back to bed. But with it happening during the fall, I, I don't have that luxury. Um, so I'll have to find time to catch up on it during the week. But the A block is Kota Ibushi, Jeff Cobb, Okada, Ishii, Will Osprey, Shingo Takagi, Minoru Suzuki, Taichi, Jay White, and Yujiro Takahashi. The B block is Tanahashi, Juice Robinson, Goto, Yano, Yoshihashi, Naito, Sanada, Zack Sabre Jr., Kenta, and Evil. So, Frank, when you took a look at those blocks for the first time, um, what were your first impressions of, of how they were stacked?
3: man i uh i looked at the a block and i'm like this is loaded i mean between of between okada between switchblade between Minoru suzuki i mean you know uh tomohiro Ishii, was always uh you know i think as you pointed out once sentimental take by a lot of people um you, you know this thing is and i everyone you know it, it's it's uh, it's loaded you know and uh you know the b block is um the, the B block I think we can expect more surprises. Uh you know, you got Goto in there, you got and I, I don't see Toriyanu. Tanahashi. Um yeah, you know, he's uh, he's kinda like the Yankees, you know, like he's in the playoffs, he's not, but he's always got a chance, you know. Um I think uh you know they've been pushing Yoshihashi a little bit. I mean there's de- definitely a lot of uh, a lot of interesting possibilities was the uh was ultimately what I came down to. I mean, uh, you know, for all intents and purposes, you could you could come down to a uh, Naito coming out of the B block versus Okada. You know, and uh, you know, let's say Naito wins this and he chooses Okada as a You know what I mean? Just just something like that. Um, they could come down to Naito and Jay White. You know, and and Jay White wins, and you got Naito versus Jay White at uh, at Wrestle Kingdom. You know, I don't know, I don't know if that screams Wrestle Kingdom main event though. You know, but uh, we'd have to see on that. I also look, Kenta isn't someone to sleep on. You know, that's uh, he could be uh, someone that uh, is at least in the finals uh, of the B Block, the Evil Sonata thing we talked about earlier. So uh, I think there's just a wealth of possibilities you know, um, as, yeah. far as, the, uh, as far as the finals. I mean, the, the guys I have checkbox next to um, are the ones that I feel could win the blocks. And I would say Ibushi, Okada, and Jay White for the A block. And um, I wouldn't be surprised if Sonata coming out of the B block uh, I wouldn't be surprised at Naito, as I mentioned earlier. I know uh, sometimes they have the IWGP champion win, right? I mean, I, I haven't had a chance to, uh, I wish I looked that up before, and, and I apologize for not looking, but uh, once in a while, I think they actually have the champ win, and then he picks his opponent. So, um, you know, there's uh, there's definitely something there. And as I mentioned, Kenta, you know, Kenta's someone to, uh, you know, to keep an eye on. So, uh, what do you think? What uh, what names uh, stuck out to you? Uh, I'd be curious to see what you uh, what popped into your head as you looked at this.
2: Well, I kind of thought the, the same thing you did as far as the A block just being stacked. And, and you look at the B block, and I think you bring up a good point about the B block, is I think that that is ripe for some surprises. I think you'll see more upsets in the B block than you will in the A block, uh, which, you know, Th- that, that lends some intrigue and that lends some interest that otherwise might not be there in certain matches. So I think that's something you almost have to do to, to allow... When one block is so seemingly uh, heavily tilted... Uh, when the tournament is heavily tilted toward one block in terms of quality, I think in order to get people interested in the other block, you've got to run some upsets. You've got to uh, make things a little more interesting yeah. in other ways. So I think that's kind of what I'm looking at with the B block. And, you know, as far as anticipated matchups, I'm going to throw this your way in just a second, Frank, but, um, you know, when we look at these blocks and we look at what, what matchups are we most anticipating in the, the, the blocks, and I you know, I look at the A block and I look at Minoru Suzuki is one of my favorite guys. So you, you throw Ibushi against Minoru Suzuki. You throw Jeff Cobb versus Suzuki. And, and Cobb versus Suzuki could go either way. It could be one of those throwaway matches that is very forgettable, I feel like. But it could also be one that's just an absolute hoss fight for 15 minutes. So I, I hope it's the latter. But Ibushi against Suzuki, I think, is really interesting. Uh, Ibushi against Takagi, I, I think, is really going to be be pretty wild. You've got Osprey in there. And, uh, you know, this is... Uh, you know, you know, sometimes we run in with a G1 of, oh, you know, we've seen this matchup a lot. We see this matchup every year, even if you switch guys between blocks year to year. You know, you're going to see the same matches over and over again because largely they keep the same guys in there. But you throw in a Will Osprey, you throw in a Takagi, uh, even a Taichi, you know, um, th- that could create some interest there. Over on the B block, um, you know, Juice Robinson against Tanahashi, I think, is really interesting to me. I'm a, I'm, I'm a Sonata fan, while I also acknowledge his shortcomings. So when you've got Sonata Naito or you've got Sonata Evil, uh, Evil Naito is in that ter- block, which I think is really interesting coming off their recent feud it, over the title. So um, it'll be interesting to see how that plays out as well. But, uh, Frank, what, you, what are your it, matchups that you are most anticipating out of these blocks?
3: i mean i'm I'm always down for Ibushi versus Okada um you mentioned Sakagi. Uh, I'm really curious to see how uh things play out for him this year i i man I had my uh, spreadsheet last year and I guess I deleted it. I wish I had it because I would have known his record but uh, anyway no't matter uh I'm curious to see how um just anything that he does uh considering his move to the uh to the heavyweight division um
0: yeah. Jimmy White and Minoru
3: Suzuki. That uh, that sticks out to me. That's something I'm looking forward to. Minoru Suzuki is just so fun to watch. He is just so fun. Uh, who did he um, Who did he have that match with in the New Japan Cup? That was really hard-hitting. I, I can't... Uh, do you remember what match that was? It was a real... Uh, it was a real... Uh, maybe it was Hiroshi Tenzan. I can't, I can't think of who it was. But he had a real slugfest in the New Japan Cup. And it was a lot of fun. But anyway, no matter. Um... Taichi is is always an interesting guy to me. Like, I think he's a lot of people's not-so-favorite wrestler. But every time I watch him, I I feel like there may be a point for him that comes where he turns the corner and he stops the antics and he gets furious. And when he does, he actually wrestles really well. I, I, I didn't not enjoy his matches, you know? So, you know, I wonder, if maybe he, I wonder if maybe he turns a corner in this tournament. I don't know. But uh, I'd be curious. I, I'd be curious to see between Taiichi and Jay White, you know, who could cheat more. Yeah, that, 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 that'll, be, uh, that'll be fun to watch. As far as the B block, um, Evil and Sonata, I mentioned that earlier. You, you brought up uh, Evil and Naito. You know, that'll be interesting given their uh, recent history. Um, I really enjoy watching Hiroki Goto. I, uh, I I like his matches. I know he uh, uh, went to the dojo and, you know, kind of changed things up uh, before last year. So I thought that was a cool story. And um, I'm curious with Yoshihashi. I'm curious to see, uh, you know, and, and we talked about surprises. I mean, there could be some wins for him uh, that set things up down the line, you know, as we head towards uh, Wrestle Kingdom, so you know, pretty much anything that, uh, pretty much anything that he does, um, just something that that popped into my head as we were talking about these uh, these blocks. I don't know if they would make this to the final, but if you had a, um, let's say Okada came out of the A block and Sonata came out of the uh, B block. Uh, Sonata did beat Okada last year in uh, yep. in, in their match, so it, that would be. Uh, that would be interesting. Although, they, I think they did have a match later on, so I don't know if the intrigue is really there for it. Um, so he had a title defense as a result of uh, Sonata winning that match. So maybe that's not such a great idea. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's just... Uh, it's just I, I, I don't know that I'm looking towards specific matches. I'm looking more towards the results, especially in the B block, because uh, as we talked about... <laughs> The, uh, the possibilities of upsets and surprises are really endless. So, uh, you know, we'll uh, we'll see what they do.
2: If you had to be held to a finals prediction tonight, who meets in the finals of the A block and B block?
3: Who meets uh, the finals of the A block and the B block? Okay. Let's see. Gun is to my head. I'm sweating. Um... I would say Okada. Let's see Okada. Now hmm. I don't see that. I would say Okada. Let's go Okada Jay White. I was gonna say Okada Abushi. Let's go Okada, Jay White.
2: Well now now they're both yeah. in the A block. So I'm looking That's for the, the yeah. actual finals, the winner of the A block versus the winner of the B block. Who do you who do you like oh, to connect? Oh, who, I'm, do have have, I'm so, who do you have in Who do you have coming out of got, B block? Yeah, yeah, yeah. In the
3: Ooh, okay. And under my head. All right, I'm 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 taking Okada out of the A block. I'm gonna go safe. Tanahashi, no. Koto, no. Yano, definitely no. Yoshihashi, no. I'm gonna make a bold pick. Because you know what? I'd rather make a bold pick and be right than make a safe pick and you know what I mean? Yeah. I'm gonna go Okada versus Kenta.
0: That's joinmidi.com. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain.
6: Wrestling fans, if you're looking for a unique and entertaining way to get your wrestling podcast fixed, check out Ring Rust Radio. Ring Rust Radio uses its trademark brand of banter to cover all professional wrestling you love, including WWE, NXT, New Japan, Lucha Underground, ROH, Impact Wrestling, and more. We also hold sit-down interviews with some of the biggest names in the history of the business, such as Stone Cold Steve Austin, Shawn Michaels, Bret Hart, Chris Jericho, Kurt Angle, Trish Stratus, AJ Styles, and Roman Reigns. For those of you who want their wrestling with a perfect mix of serious analysis and comic relief, find Ring Rust Radio dropping every Wednesday night on Blog Talk Radio, iTunes, Stitcher, and wherever you get your podcasts.
0: It's true that some things change as we get older, but if you're a woman over 40 and you're dealing with insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, and weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. And with MIDI Health, you can get help and stop pushing through it alone. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. You deserve to feel great. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's join M-I-D-I.com. If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And MIDI can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. Ninety-one percent of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com.
2: See now, I, my bold pick is on the other end because I've got Osprey Naito. I think that would be. I think that yeah. would be really interesting. So, uh, yeah. just throwing it out there. Uh, that's. I don't know if that's a prediction or kind of where I hope it goes, but that's kind of uh, what I'm what I'm throwing out there right now. So we'll see. Uh, we'll see cut, how that works.
3: It's not, not a clear cut uh, final though in this. But you know what I mean? Like that's why yeah. I think we have you know different uh, you know different finals because it's, it's not clear cut. There's so many possibilities, and I like that too. I, I like that. There's a lot of stories. Right. There's a lot of uh, you know a lot of things that they could pull on. Um. But and what do you say you had Osprey
2: and uh, Nitro? That's what you had, right? Okay. Yeah. Okay. All right. We're going to go back to the phones here. The four seven eight area code. This is Darrell from Georgia. Darrell, uh, welcome to Wrestling Night in America. What's on your mind tonight?
5: How you doing tonight, Greg? How you doing tonight, Frank? Doing well, thanks. What's going on, my friend? How you doing? Quite well. Quite well. Good win by your Jags tonight, um, Greg. First win. Uh,
2: that was very unexpected. That was very unexpected. I wasn't thinking they'd pull it off, but somehow they did it. And normally, in years past, they would have choked at the end, but somehow they uh, they held on, and it was a nice surprise.
5: I know you was happy about that that surprise. Um, well, um, listen to you guys tonight. I'm glad that you guys brought up New Japan and the G1. like I'm gonna have a bunch of long nights and long days. Especially out here with school <laughs> opening and stuff <laughs> and trying to get in the watch okay. of the G1. But um, <laughs> but dealing with that and um, listening to what you guys were saying, I have the, and I go with your prediction. I have Naito versus Jay White. This is always his destino cause Naito issues and never let him have his moment. So I got him with him going over, stopping Naito from giving everybody the match that they really wanted between him and um, Uh, Homaru. Giving them that match so he can pick his own opponent. I have Jay White winning. um, First, Jay White go over Obushi in the A block to win that block. I think it should come down to those two. I think Naito just run through everybody and set up so you can have Evil versus Sonata maybe at the Dome or something like that. What do you guys think about that um, final?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think the great thing, as Frank said about this, is that the finals are just not clear-cut. So we could have everybody calling in and giving their impression of where they can go with the finals, reasoning behind it, what they could do coming out of it. And I think it would all make sense, and I think it would all be really interesting and really good you know um the the thing i hope they they don't do is you know okada tanahashi which i don't think they're going to do but you know this is an opportunity really to make some guys here going forward uh the way the blocks are set up and everything like that frank so you know the i think the great thing about this g the g1 in particular every year but this particular g1 um is that there just are a lot of different directions they really could go with it realistically i
3: agree and uh Jay White versus uh, Naito was a possibility I had myself earlier on. I, uh, you know, I, I wouldn't be surprised at that. I wouldn't be surprised at, at Jay uh, winning it because, uh, as we talked about earlier, I think that New Japan Cup was meant for Jay White. So, you know, they might, uh, they might shift and uh, give Jay White the G1, you know, if he wasn't originally supposed to win it. And that sets up, uh, that sets up a match at Wrestle Kingdom. So I definitely... Uh, definitely think that's a possibility. I mean, my, like I said, my pick was just, you know, under my head. Uh, I think it's just, it's so wide open. I think there's so many possibilities. I think it could change as, uh, as you watch this tournament unfold, you know? Uh, I mean, <laughs> it's so wide open that the North Suzuki could be in the final. You know what I mean? Like that, that's, uh, you know, that's something you could have Suzuki versus Naito. And that would be interesting. So, uh, I think it's very wide open, but uh, Darrell's uh, prediction to me is sound. Is I, uh, I think it's a very distinct possibility.:
2: All right, Durrell, what's your uh, second question or point for us tonight?
5: Okay, second question is going back into the G1, I'm looking to see who will they have to beat um, Suzuki? And see who would they have challenge him for the never open title? Because again, that match between him and Takagi was just a massive thing. I don't mind if they do that, and and that Takagi pin him in the G one and get that match back. But I'm in. I think the second best story in the G one is that, and also the Suzuki Goon civil war that it seemed like they're starting up with what happened a couple of days ago on the show where he had to um, stand up to Ta- Taichi. And, uh, (laughs) and, cause they, I think they're in the same block. But also, you know, it's starting a little civil war, a little robbery. So I want to see that's the second best story, that civil war of who will beat the old, mean old man and get a shot against him. What do you guys think? Yeah.
2: I mean, you look at the A block, if Jay White doesn't come out the winner, I think that's a, a reasonable, um, second uh, runner-up prize for him is is to do something with Suzuki. I think that's an interesting matchup. Um, Osprey, if he wants to be a heavyweight, I think having Suzuki as a sort of gatekeeper to that division uh, would, be, would be good. Um, you know, Okada and Suzuki have had their battles before, Ibushi and Suzuki. I mean, I, I'm a huge Suzuki fan, so I'm not really going to turn down any potential matchup with them. Um, Frank, do, do you see someone standing out in the uh, A-block who could uh, beat Suzuki or, or challenge for the title at some point?
3: I actually thought about Jeff Cobb. Uh, cause you mentioned that it's possible. Uh, I think you described it as a 15-minute hot fight. I think, that's, uh, I think that's a possibility. In fact, uh, I think Cobb was the never champion last year, if I'm not mistaken, heading into the, uh, the MSG show. Or he won it, I d I don't remember. But uh you know, I see that as a uh as a possibility. Uh I mean they could go back. They could go back to Shango Sakagi. You know, they they could go back to that. I mean I d I don't see uh I don't see where that uh where that doesn't work and uh hey, you know, how about a nice bruising fight between uh Suzuki and Tamahiro Ishii? You know, I mean uh Yeah. I'm never gonna turn. You know, you're never gonna turn down a match with Suzuki. I'm never gonna turn down a match with Tomohiro Ishii. I mean, you, you put the two of them in the ring, right? And, uh, you know, I think it, it's you know, it, I, I think right now, I think things are just so wide open that um, you could really go in uh, in any kind of direction. You know, is uh, if my man Kenta, right. you could go back. You could go back to Kenta. Um, yeah, I think it's just. Uh, you know, I think it's just wide open at this point. Evil, Sonata, it, a-
2: anybody, really. And Darrell, back to you for your final point of question for us tonight.
5: Oh, okay. My last question will go off of um, New Japan for a second and back Friday night. Um, I don't know about most, but I enjoyed the promo that that Bailey gave. I liked everything that she did. I like how she has remade herself into this heel character. Um, I understand the matchup that they're going to have um, with Nikki. I hope that plays a story with uh, maybe Alexa Bliss going all the way over to Bray Wyatt's side and, and her Harley Quinn ways to Nikki that match. But you also use that as a way to amplify Bayley's story and who she would face potentially down the road in Sasha. How did you guys like that whole makeup and that whole outcome of that whole women's division on SmackDown?
2: Well, you know, uh, Cross. We've seen her get the opportunity against uh, Bailey before. I'm wondering if it's to play more into the Alexa Nikki relationship as opposed to Nikki having a realistic chance at knocking off Bailey. Because there's two or three wrestlers in the SmackDown women's division who I'd prefer to get uh, to see get a, a real opportunity against Bailey before uh, you know it circles back to Cross here. So I'm thinking it does have to do more with Cross than than with Bailey, but. Uh, I thought it was smart to keep Banks off TV this week. Bailey's explanation about how kind of she knows what, what Banks was doing the whole time, you know, buddying up to her to, to get at the title or whatnot, uh, I thought that was a smart explanation. I thought it was better than the, the, you know, you fans don't deserve an explanation, which some heels do. I just thought, you know, this, there, was too much, there was too much there but in this relationship. There's too much history to go to that well. And, and as far as the promo so um you know the turn and how it was uh, followed up this week with Bailey I thought was was pretty well done and it's you know that relationship has been one of the highlights um going forward uh you know Frank I think that it's you know as much as they were very entertaining as a team I think having them feud it has real potential to be a really good feud as well.
3: Yeah, it does. I mean, we look, a Bailey sasha feud is, is something that we've been looking forward to for a while. So uh, I, I think it'll be good once, uh, once it comes. And it might come around sooner than we think because Sasha Banks has already been announced for uh, for Friday. Uh, I was on the uh, Wade Keller Pro Wrestling Post show this past SmackDown with Wade, and we talked about it. And we both kind of liked it, but I don't know. There was a little something, there was a little something missing for me. I don't know. Like, I I, I felt like, I didn't hate it, you know? And I thought that, I thought that mechanically they did, you know, they did a smart thing, as you mentioned. They talked about, you know, I was using you the whole time and, you know, all that, which I pointed out one flaw in that story, which is not a big deal, but, um, when Sasha came back last year and she turned on Becky, it was Bailey that actually joined her. So it's kind of the other way around. But, <laughs> you know, a, a heel, I, I mean, you could look at it as, well, a heel is supposed to be delusional. That's that's her job. So it was it was okay. I, I, I think maybe I just expected a little more. I, I don't know how much more I expected. And by the way, I didn't bring this up to Wade, but if you listen to the beginning of that promo... It sounded like they were going the Seth Rollins route because uh, if you remember, Bailey said, do "You think I actually like doing that to Sasha?" And that reminded me of what Seth said about Ray Mysterio uh, when he uh, when he gouged uh, poor Ray's eye out uh, on that thing yeah. on Monday Night Raw. That that, that, that nasty <laughs> Seth Rollins. But uh, you know, I um, I don't know. I, I I think, and I'm I'm kind of going beyond the question a little bit, but I think it's important that we discuss this. I think it's just more, I think my issue is more in the overall story. You know, Bailey and Sasha both have been incredibly unlikable characters. And I don't feel like, and I said this to Wade, I don't feel like they got us to the point where we really were going to feel sympathy for Sasha. I, I guess in their mind we did because Bailey gave her such a vicious attack. So because of that, we're, sufo- we're supposed to feel sympathetic. To me, that I, I don't know. Like it's just not. It's not the investment that I had in the story. It wasn't like. And I, what I compared this to was Shawn Michaels on Marty Jannetty's turn back at the barber shop. If you go back two three months, you could see it was getting to a point where once the turn and you knew you knew, you knew there was going to be a turn, but because of the story they told you were angry at that terrible Shawn Michaels throwing Marty through the window, you know? So Mm -hmm. I I just don't feel like they got us to that point with Sasha because her character had been so unlikable, you know? And had they made Sasha, and look, I know what you probably say, well, you know, Bailey was making comments about her. You can't retain a title, you know, uh, uh, you know Sasha helped uh, uh, Bailey retain the SummerSlam, but Bailey didn't help Sasha. So I mean, like I said, the pieces are there. It, it sounds like it didn't make sense, but I just felt like something was missing from the story. I, I just felt like emotionally we weren't at a point where, okay, yeah, I feel bad for Sasha because Bailey's being such a bitch to her, you know. And Sasha's really trying to keep this thing going. You know, Sasha was unlikable as as much as that night. You know, when they try to uh,
2: when
3: they try to regain the title, so I, I, I give that back to. you. I, I'm curious uh, your guys' take
2: uh, on uh, what I said. Well, um, we we got uh, we're gonna say goodbye to Darrell. Darrell, sorry we gotta let you go here. We got four callers. We got still a lot to get to. So um, I, I'm sorry that we don't have time for the follow up on that. But we uh, always appreciate the call, man, and and look forward to calling in again.
5: No problem. Y'all have a good night.
2: Thank you. Uh, You know, I would say, Frank, I I think that you listed a couple things that, you know, there are hints here and there, you know, Bailey making the comments about Banks not having the title, Banks. You mentioned helping Bailey with Bailey not um, reciprocating. And, you know, just I think Bailey just came off a lot meaner and nastier in that partnership than Banks did. And so, you know, and and Bailey doing it for a reason that may not have been true. We'll have to see when Banks uh, cuts her first promo. So Bailey, like being paranoid and, and attacking Banks for that reason, um, when she had no real reason to do it. It's not like Banks backstabbed her and she attacked her. I think all of that tends right. to make Banks come off as suitably sympathetic. But um, you know, that's something we'll we'll really have to see going forward. And um, you know, I, I'm not sure how that's going to be. We do have a, an email question as it relates to um, Bailey and Banks, so let me pull up here this is from uh... jack from swansea wales he says uh... sasha banks is probably my favorite wrestler male or female and i just love bailey's character that she plays so well i've been trying to think over the last few months when they would pull the trigger on the match SummerSlam. then i thought maybe if there's an evolution 2 pay-per-view here's my well thought out plan to maximize this feud banks stays out from her injury suffered by bailey until october when i believe there's a draft sasha gets drafted to raw in the meantime Bailey keeps defending her title and winning by any means necessary. Naomi, Mandy Rose are two people who spring to mind for programs with Bailey. When the draft happens, she'll have fresh challengers. Survivor Series Team Raw versus Team of SmackDown. Sasha's return from injury to Captain Team Raw against SmackDown Captain Bailey. Bailey avoids Sasha and does not even get in the ring with her. Gives Sasha a short term program to get to the new year and beat a credible opponent. Royal Rumble Bailey defends her title. Sasha wins the Rumble later in the night and chooses uh, to. Def- to- face Bailey at WrestleMania. Banks beats Bailey for the title, but as Sasha has never defended its title, we have that story to carry into the next match, where Sasha overcomes her demons, defends the title, and starts her run as top babyface, fill in Becky Lynch's big void. What do you guys think? I think I advocated a week or two ago about um, Banks and Bailey, you know, them doing the turn and then Banks moving to Raw in the draft and kind of putting off that, that full feud until WrestleMania, because I think it is a legitimate question, you know, where do you do Banks versus Bayley? of uh, champions is, is Bailey versus Cross. You know, do you do it in October at a D pay-per-view? Do you do it at Survivor Series when it's mostly going to be tag matches probably? You know, do you do it at the Rumble? Uh, uh, you know, well, however you do it, you're going to have to really stretch it out so you don't just give it away. So I think the best course of action would be stretching it out via one of them moving in the draft, most likely Sasha Banks.
0: Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18-plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
1: We know you're a pro wrestling fan, but you might like MMA, too. And if so, check out our sister site, MMATorch.com. With live fight event coverage, including UFC pay-per-views, previews of all UFC and Bellator events, The Daily News Digest, exclusive columns, flashbacks, and much more. Check it out. If you're a fan of MMA, you'll be a fan of MMATorch.com.
7: It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win?
8: Yeah, and the
3: interest of getting some callers, and I'll keep it short. Um, He lays out a pretty good scenario. I mean, I I don't know if all of that's going to happen, but um, I propose to Wade that they probably might do a Hell in a Cell match. Bailey and Sasha have Hell in a Cell written all over it, so they could do that. That doesn't mean that uh, Sasha can't get drafted to Raw. I mean, she could still, uh, let's say she earns a title match, but she gets drafted to Raw. You know how they do that stuff where, you know, you uh, you still get your match no matter what. They could do it where Bailey beats Sasha, and then down the line, Sasha wins the Royal Rumble and overcomes Bailey at WrestleMania. I don't, I don't rule that out at all. And I actually, <laughs> I actually thought about the, uh, the idea of splitting them up. I, uh, I thought they needed to be split up last year, to be honest with you, but I'm glad they didn't. Uh, but I think now they need to do it, and they have the Royal Rumble to uh, get it back together at WrestleMania. So, uh, yeah, definitely a uh, credible scenario.
2: Before we go to the calls, I want to get your take on one other SmackDown item, and that's Rowan Reigns' heel turn. Uh, what are your early thoughts on how that has played out and uh, whether or not Jay Uso is a good opponent for him at Clash of Champions?
3: Yeah, I mean, I think it's, I think it's fine. Um, we'll have to see how it goes because I, I really... I really haven't felt the emotion from Roman Reigns, but we never felt it in five years as a baby face. So why should we expect it now? You know,
2: that, that uh, lack of emotion like fits better as a heel too.
3: Well, this is true. This is true. Um, but like, I, I kind of want that promo where, you know, he tells the fans why he's doing this, you know, and I know he's not going to say, well, you, you know, you boot me for five years. I and mean, WWE's not going to call attention to that. But, I mean, there's a way to do that. There's a way for him to tell the fans, you know, F you, and uh, this is why I'm doing what I'm doing. So I kind of want to hear from Roman, and we still might. You know, we still might. Uh, I like Jey Uso as his opponent. I think it could highlight uh, Roman's heel. um, And, look, they might be telling a story where maybe Roman's not so sure, because if you look at his body language, he's not necessarily sure about this. You know, he might be still contemplating what he's doing. You know, and uh, for all intents and purposes, he could plow through Jay, and then we get that promo afterwards. So that's that's the one piece that I would like to have. I'd like to have that that real scathing, you know, promo where you know he tells everybody why he's joining Paul Heyman. You know, the announcers call attention to it. You know, sell us on it. But overall. You know, I, I I would say the uh, the returns are positive. This is hey Greg, we have talked about this how many times on this show? I mean uh, two years ago, Roman Reigns was the topic of conversation every week. It felt like you know, and um, we always said that an alliance an alliance with uh, with Haman would do him good. So no, overall uh, minus the uh, the things I mentioned, thumbs up.
2: And uh, our email about Roman is from uh, Roy from California. He says, hello, Greg, hope you're well. Just want to say I've always been a big Roman Reigns fan, and I think his new character makes me tune into SmackDown more than I ever wanted to. My question is, do you think Reigns is big enough and has enough pull to put over someone? I honestly see him holding the title until Mania, which gives the company enough time to build someone who could benefit a big rub and, no, not a fiend. I know they're on different shows, but I'd love to see a Lee versus Reigns match on a big stage for the universal title. Interested to hear your thoughts. Uh, t- uh, thanks for taking my email. Um, thank you, Royce. So I-, I do think that you know Roman Reigns is in that position where he's a made man right now, and for a while, it was Roman Reigns going over Brock Lesnar. It was Roman Reigns going over anyone WWE could think of in order to give Roman that rub. And now Roman is the guy who's the champion who is eventually going to lose the title to give someone else the rub. I agree with Roy. I don't think it's the fiend, you know? Um, do you see someone who could really who's on the cusp of a main event who could really take advantage of a victory over Roman Reigns and use that to... Catapult them into being seen as a main eventer, sort of like Drew McIntyre did against Brock Lesnar at WrestleMania.
3: Yeah, I mean, look, Roman Roman is as over as anybody's going to be WWE in uh, in 2020. I mean, it's it's a different kind of over than what we're used to in the past. I mean, I don't think he's Stone Cold over or The Rock over, uh, but he's over. You know, he's over enough, so it's fine. Uh, my first love was Keith Lee. At WrestleMania, given the, um, the Survivor Series interaction from last year, they could play off of that. I mean, I think you could uh, very uh, easily um, circle Keith Lee as a strong possibility for the Royal Rumble. So uh, yeah, I could get into that. Hopefully, they don't do damage to Lee. And I know we'll talk about Raw later because I just I don't like what they're doing tomorrow night. But uh, I know we'll get into that. Um, the other guy, um, it, it, it'll be interesting to watch over the next few months, Big e, I, I, I kind of felt like, you know, I, I kind of feel like he's somebody that they could get behind. They've gotten behind him before, and it didn't work, but it didn't work because his character wasn't really developed. You go back to 2013, and I felt like he was just, you know, placed on the show like everybody else, you know, and you really didn't get to know him. Now he's got a history, and, you know, he could still be his character, but give me a little more twinge of serious. You know, he doesn't have to be stoic, you know, like and we talked about that on Talking Smack, but, you know, if he kind of adds that little bit of seriousness to his character, but staying true to who he is, because people will appreciate that, I think Big E is a possibility as well. So it's definitely between, excuse me, uh, Big E and... um uh, and Keith Lee, I, I I'd like to see a program with Drew McIntyre. Um, I, I'd like a little more time because we you know we we saw it as 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 recently as last year, so I need a little, I need to let that breathe a little bit. But yeah, down the line, uh, definitely because they're in they're in two different places than you know where they were last year. So.
2: Uh, one more SmackDown-related email, then we'll get back to the phones. We've got 708 up next, then 111 and 623. Uh, this email is from Chris from Reading, Pennsylvania. He says, I was watching SmackDown and have enjoyed seeing Jey Uso in the ring and being in the title picture and have also enjoyed Roman Reigns. I have to say that this has been picture perfect and it's helped me get over all the DQ finishes and such. This does remind me of the NWO storyline where the DQ finishes can get a bit much and mess with the overall story. But I have to say that I'm impressed with how Roman Reigns is being presented. And I would say that I like the idea of Jey Russo being the first challenger to Roman Reigns. Uh, It's kind of a slow burn to Reigns eventually probably kicking his butt at Clash of Champions. But it, it allows Jay Uso to do something and to stand on his own while Jimmy is out. It allows Roman Reigns to have a, a first challenger for his title that he can win pretty handily over on pay-per-view. And it's got the familial ties that will help get Reigns over more as a heel for all those people who have looked at him uh, all these years as a babyface and maybe can't shake that. So I, I think they, they really picked a good one here in, in Jay Uso uh, being Reigns' first challenger.
3: One hundred percent. I uh, I agree. By the way, just one thing I want to point out. <laughs> last week, not this past week, but uh, last week, I remember Jay saying, "Hey, what's the deal with Big E over? Uh, there? Uh, not Big E with Paul E over there? Kind of referring him to be Paul E dangerously when he managed uh, when he managed Jay's father uh, back in the day when uh, you know Slot <laughs> yeah. uh, was in the uh, Samoan was in the uh, Samoan Slot team. But uh, anyway, no, right. I uh, I like it. And one thing that I have to say, I liked. I like the interaction because it felt real. There's something very real about the Usos when they talk, you know, especially recently. Ever since they, uh, they got a little more serious, uh, you know, especially after the due date feud, uh, they always come across as authentic. And I felt like the interaction between he and Roman, uh, at least at that opening promo, was authentic. And, uh, you know, Wade and I dug into that on the, on the post show, and I encourage everybody to check that out. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, it's, um, you know, it's, it's someone that, uh, that Reigns can beat. Jay's not going to get hurt because uh, he'll probably just go back to the tag division. Uh, like you said, you know, we see what Jay can do as a, uh, as a singles. Maybe it's something that, you know, he builds on down the line. So, uh, all in all, a, uh, a thumbs up on Mr. Uso being the first opponent.
2: All right, back to the phones we go. It's the 708 area code. I'm believing this is Vincent from Chicago?
10: Yes, you are correct, Greg.
2: Awesome. So I, I've added another phone number at, with a name in my memory bank. So uh, I, I have you down, Vincent. Uh, go ahead with your first okay. uh, question or comment for us tonight.
10: Uh, really quick, I wanted to say uh, uh, I've listened to you. I, I remember hearing you back um, – some weeks ago on a Way Keller podcast and uh you yeah, you do pretty good. Um yeah, you know your history of wrestling. So yeah, that's uh you know, really enjoy listening to you the other night. I appreciate that, Vincent. So thank you. And uh let me just say uh
3: this New Yorker over here loves his Chicago pizza. So if you got any of that Giordano's uh, uh, out there, feel free to ship it my way. <laughs>
10: <laughs> we'll do, we'll do. Um so <laughs> thank you for the time that's uh, I appreciate it, oh, yeah, yeah, no problem absolutely um so first topic you guys are talking about Roman reigns, so I guess I'll quickly i am liking the Roman reigns heel turns thus far um I feel like it's long overdue uh but real quickly, I will run down a list of baby faces that i would i think would be apropos for reigns to face, and you guys can comment on any or all of them. Number one on the list, I think, is a babyface Brock Lesnar. Um, babyface Brock makes so much sense in twenty in twenty twenty and beyond. Um, there's backstory. There's a reversal of the roles. Paul Heyman is in, involved as well. It makes so much sense. Number two, Daniel mm-hmm. Bryan. I think Daniel Bryan can pull out so much more out of Roman Reigns in the ring. You know, I I was I'm hoping that this heel turn will bring a, out a an advised and improved uh, ring ring style ring move set for uh, for Roman. I think Daniel Bryan might be able to pull that out of him. Um, number three, Keith Lee. You know, as you mentioned, they have a they have a little bit of back history from the Survivor Series match. Um, and you know, I there's. Yeah, I I think that could be a very fun little program. Um, Number four, Big E. And number five is going to be an interesting pick, Triple H. Now, I know they had an absolute dud of a match at WrestleMania 32, I believe it was. But, you know, Triple H, he's the godfather of NXT. He's kind of a permanent babyface at this point. And those two have a lot of backstory as well. And, you know, I'm sure they could add in a few bells and whistles, bring in Shawn Michaels or, you know, whoever else. But uh, I, I think a Triple H, a babyface Triple H in Roman could make, could make for, some, for some very interesting television. So you guys can choose to comment on any of those.
2: So I'll start with Lesnar. I Babyface Lesnar kind of makes my stomach churn at this point. I just don't oh, know really? that there's a way to... Yeah, I, I just don't know that there's a real good... I, the, the only connection I can see is with Pauly. And and Paul, since Heyman is now with Reigns, Lesnar can come back bitter that that Heyman left him for Reigns. And I guess you could kind of get babyface out of that. But it just Lesnar's whole demeanor, his whole act, um, just the way he carries himself, that's very heelish. And I think it's hard it would be hard for him to go babyface and i think we've seen lesnar and reigns I, I think you bring up a good point about the role reversal and i think that's worth that's worth digging into a little bit just to see if it's worth it but i don't know if the role reversal is enough to to throw this out there with the memory of that you know wwe trying to do reigns and lesnar wrestlemania after wrestlemania to get reigns over and i think that's still really a bitter pill for a lot of wrestling fans. Those, those Reigns-Lesnar series of matches where WWE seemed desperate to get Reigns over as the next big babyface star, and he just couldn't pull the trigger. And so I think putting Lesnar with Reigns will only remind fans of that. Now, maybe you can use that backstory in some way to the advantage of the story, but it, it certainly wouldn't be high on my list. I, I think Daniel Bryan, Daniel Bryan is a really good one for the here and now. I think you look at Keith Lee, you look at Big E, I think those are guys who should challenge Reigns a year from now. But if Reigns is going to be your top star for a year, you do need people in between now and then. And so I think Daniel Bryan is the kind of guy who, you know, he doesn't have a lot of in-ring time left. He's already talked of wanting to retire. I think having him as a babyface against Roman Reigns would help solidify Reigns as a a heel because Bryan is basically the ultimate babyface. And he would get one big last run out of Daniel Bryan. And then Triple H, I'm kind of in the same boat with Triple H. I, I'm kind of over Triple H as an entering performer at this point, too. Um, you know, Triple H is a babyface. Might, there might be some worth as far as getting Reigns over the heel through babyface Triple H. Triple H can cut some really good promos um, still, even at this stage. But when it comes to the match, I just, I just haven't seen enough out of these two either together or separate the last few years, that gives me any confidence that the match is going to be worth the time that you would invest in this sort of uh, feud. So, uh, Frank, am I wrong on any of those? Am I right on a few of those? What's your take on those names as uh, potential babyfaces for heel Reigns?
3: My god's honest feeling with Brock is if I don't see him, fine. If I see a babyface Brock against Reigns, I'm interested. Just to see how... Brock would do, especially now, uh, in 2020 2021. I mean, he was a baby face, uh, eventually, back in the day, and I thought he was fine. I thought he, did a, uh, I thought he did a really good job. But you bring up a good point that, you know, his demeanor and how he carries himself. Um, let's not forget, it's WWE that's partially enabled that. I mean, they enabled him to work a part-time schedule and paid him millions of dollars. You know, I mean, WWE didn't have to do that. And if I'm him, and I have that opportunity, and I could work, you know, six seven dates a year and make six seven million, whatever it was, I'm doing it. You know what I mean? So I don't necessarily,
4: uh,
3: I don't necessarily put that on Brock. And let's not let's not uh, paint Brock in such a dirty light. He's put over a lot of people uh, since he's come back. I mean, he put Roman over, he put Drew over, uh, anybody that he worked with, even if he beat them, you know, he did put them over at the time. So, um, you know, I, I think Brock did more uh, for people than we, uh, than we might realize. So, I, I would be interested, but I'm also not screaming for it, you know? Um, so, anyway, that's that. Daniel Bryan, I mean, if he's still looking to wrestle, because I, 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 I've heard Nick saying that his contract is up and he's not even uh, with them, or uh, he's just taking time off, and there's another. I, I don't know the deal there, so I'm not going to pretend like uh, I know. But if he's still around, excuse me, absolutely. Uh, we talked about Keith Lee. We talked about Biggie, Triple H. You know, man, I'm just like uh, yeah. it, it could work, but yeah, if I don't see it, I I, I wouldn't miss it. So yeah, let, let 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 me give a pass on that one. Sorry.
4: <laughs>
3: All right,
2: uh, Vincent, your your second question or comment for us tonight.
10: Yeah, um, yeah. With Brock, I was just I'm thinking of Brock as maybe just part time enforcer. You know, when a when a heel gets too far out of line, up oh, here comes Babyface Brock, and you know he can just come shut that heel up. You know, some somewhat like APA did back in the day. That was my line of thinking. Mm-hmm. Um, second second point that I wanted to bring up was. Uh, so the Cedric Alexander turn on Monday night it was good. I liked it. you know, said you know, Cedric I, I said this on um, the Monday Way Keller show. Cedric brings a different dynamic to the herd business. He brings youth, he brings a little more athleticism. The other three, they're older, they're more um power wrestlers and Cedric, you know, he can come in with some of that high flying repertoire of his. So I, I think it's a good mix. My issue is the heel turn made too much sense. So he says that, you know, I'm playing second fiddle to Apollo Cruz, you know, while his career takes off and he's getting championship opportunity. Like, you yeah, know, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, you know, he team he's teaming with Ricochet, who calls himself the one and only. I'm like, mm, yeah. I wouldn't want to team team with nobody. Will name, you know, who calls himself that either. And then you know, he says he brings up the financial aspect. You know, hey, these other guys they're in the forefront, they're making money. I'm not. Like you know, it, yes, like Cedric's turn made too much sense. I would think. Now I get it. Heel turns are fueled a little bit by jealousy, but they're also fueled by just extreme narcissism and delusion. And I didn't get that from Cedric's heel turn. It just, like, yeah, it made a lot of sense, you know?
7: Encino.com and live the chumba life.
9: No purchase necessary. BDW. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.
1: We're now on Patreon. By popular demand, you can now support us directly through Patreon. Go to patreon.com slash PWTorchVIP. We have three tiers, including an entry level tier one that takes the ads and plugs away. You can have the VIP versions of the Wade Keller Progressing Podcast, Wade Keller Progressing Post Shows. And the PW Torch Daily Cast, that's 14 podcasts per week, but with the ads and plugs edited out, plus you get the VIP after shows. Don't be left out anymore from those for just $4.99 at patreon.com slash VIP. We also have a second tier and a third tier where you can upgrade to get other VIP content, including other VIP podcasts and the PW Torch newsletter. The current ones and 20 years ago version. So go check it out. Patreon.com slash PW VIP.
8: Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family.
9: VDW Group. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.
10: So, uh, what was your what was your opinion on Cedric's heel turn?
2: Well, I think it's kind of funny that he complained about playing second fiddle to Apollo Crews when, I, I guess, I mean, he's playing fourth fiddle in the Hurt business right now. Um, I, I don't know what kind of upward mobility he has. I guess there's potential for growth in that uh, in that business with MVP, but um, realistically he's the newest guy, so maybe he'll have to carry bags and things like that for Shelton and and, and uh, Lashley and things like that. Um, but, you know, I I'd hate to see Alexander as a heel because I don't think they really got as much out of a babyface Cedric Alexander that they could have. And there's still time. I mean, he can always turn back babyface. But I guess the, the, the saving grace for this for me is if this does make Cedric Alexander more visible on Monday Night Raw, if it gives him a more prominent position, and given the amount of TV time that the Hurt Business gets every week, I think that's probably going to be the case, then I'm okay with it. I would rather see Cedric Alexander a heel get more of an opportunity to showcase himself than to have him stay as a baby face and just kind of be lost in the shuffle. That's, that's kind of my take on it, Frank.
3: Yeah. I mean, I was, uh, I was overall fine with it. I actually heading into the show, uh, I actually thought that, you know, because they had been dropping hints that, uh, Cedric, you know, could turn, uh, given that MVP proposed joining him and all of that. And I thought that they might have been setting up that as a smokescreen for Ricochet turning, because Ricochet turning would be would have been really interesting. I mean, he's such a, a likable guy, and I think that, you know, it would have been a sharp left turn for him, you know, a, a real uh, a real contrast uh, to what he is now, whereas he's not I, – I, I don't know. It, it's just Mark Cedric I, – I don't see that much of a contrast in – babyface and, uh, and heel Cedric at the moment. I would see more in Ricochet, but that's, you know, that's besides the point. Uh, I think there's possibilities. I think there's a possibility of him teaming with Shelton. You know, they could make better use out of Shelton instead of him doing jobs. You know, they could add depth to the tag team division. Instead of seeing Andrade yep. and Angel Guards against the Street Profits every week, you know, gives us another option. Uh, so there's that. And, uh, I mean, if, you know, Lashley at some point moves back to the uh, – to the main title picture, you know that moves Cedric into the uh, into the U.S. title picture. So there's there's definitely uh, some possibilities. Can we not have MVP wrestle every week? I mean, let, let, let him just match and, <laughs> and let Cedric do that.
4: Yeah, yeah. You
3: know, I mean, we just we, we don't need him. You don't need him wrestling every week, let alone twice. <laughs> out oh, so uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm, Hopefully the uh,
2: Hopefully the addition of Cedric will ease the burden of, of MVP's in-ring work over the next few weeks. Uh, Vincent, your, your last uh, question or comment for us tonight. Um, really
10: quickly, uh, I'm, I think Keith Lee, um, it seemed like they brought Keith Lee to the main roster, and um, Tom, I think his name was Tom Stoop on Monday night. Uh, he's an NXT commentator uh, for PW Tourist. And uh, he he brought up a good point. He said they brought up Keith Lee to Raw, and there's no plan for him. Like he's you know he's wrestling these meaningless matches with Randy Orton, um, and he seems pretty directionless right now. And I like honestly I think he could have just stayed down in at, at, at NXT, and you know waited for a more opportune time, waiting for their, you know, maybe post-shake-up, you know, fresh rosters, uh, you know, maybe there's a more, a better assortment of heels on Raw for him to face. Like, yeah, I've not been a fan, you know, music and ring attire aside, I have not been a fan of what they've done with Keith Lee. I mean, the, even even his win over Randy Orton in that six-minute match on, uh, on that pay-per-view a few weeks ago, you know, I felt accomplished nothing.
2: Well, I will say that his debut and his run so far has gone a lot better than a lot of other NXT wrestlers who often debut and are stuck in the mid-card forever. The fact that Keith Lee debuted and immediately was put in a main-level program is a good sign. You know, you can poo-poo his his outfit, his ring gear, his music, which I know everybody has. I don't feel strongly enough about it, I guess. I, I, I preferred his NXT stuff, I guess, if I had to make a choice. But, you know, I don't think we can discount, a, you know, in an era where WWE is looking for any excuse to get out of giving a, a making a wrestler do a clean job. The fact that Randy Orton someone of his level is doing a clean job on pay-per-view to Keith Lee. I don't think we can just brush that off. I think we that's that's important for Keith Lee, credibility-wise. He's facing Drew McIntyre this week on Monday Night Raw. We'll talk about that in a moment. But you know, just the fact that this guy is being brought up on Monday Night Raw in a main-level program, he's not being thrown in there with Alistair Black or Kevin Owens or the Hurt Business or anything like that. Um, you know, I think this is a good sign for Keith Lee, even if it seems maybe like he's directionless. Even if it seems like, oh, they're doing Lee versus Randy Orton again for no reason, or they're doing Lee versus McIntyre on Raw for no real reason. Um, I, I still think it's a good sign that he's being put in this position right off the bat. Uh, Frank, what do you think about how WWE's handled Keith Lee on the main roster so far?
3: Well, you know, considering the fact that. You know Vince McMahon does a lot of hot shot booking and you know gives away a lot of matches on TV. Like you said, the fact that he's getting matches with Randy Orton and Drew McIntyre tomorrow night is actually a good sign. It's actually a sign that they're uh, invested in him and they do have plans for him. Uh, it doesn't mean I think it's the right way to start his run. I think the smart way to start his run is to get in wins, build up, um, build up his resume and eventually build him to the big matches. I think that, you know, had we waited maybe a, a month or two, you know, a match with Randy Orton uh, might have felt, uh, it, it might have had more gravity uh, than what it did now. It just kind of felt hot-shotted, and it kind of didn't feel like nobody's even going to remember it in a month or two, you know. So, um, but at least on the positive side, as I mentioned, there are plans for him, and um
5: you know we'll see what
3: happens tomorrow night I'm, I'm not uh, I'm not really feeling too good about uh you know him having yeah I know this contradicts what I said but having a match with Drew McIntyre that's going to have crap finish uh is not something that I'm uh you know all too confident in but uh at least we can uh for us Keith Lee fans we can we can rest easy that there uh at least appears to be plans for um Mr. Limitless as we speak
2: Vincent, appreciate the phone call. Thank you for calling in tonight and look forward to hearing from you again.
10: Thank you, gentlemen. Uh, Happy to the rest of the show. Thank you
4: Thank very you. much.
2: And since, since we're talking about Raw, before we go to our next call, that's 111 with 623 on deck. Raw will be in your face this Monday night. Even on SmackDown, they had the main matches... Uh built up, Drew McIntyre versus Keith Lee, which as Frank mentioned is almost certain to not have a clean finish. Dominic versus Seth Rollins in a Steel Cage match. Asuka defends her Raw Women's Championship against Mickey James and the Street Profits face Cesaro and Nakamura in a champions versus champions match. So Frank uh, Raw going with the subtitle here this week, going with the um, unusually high number of matches being announced in advance. I think we can probably chalk this one up to uh, the NFL with their first Monday night game of the season, which will go opposite Raw and WWE trying to not hemorrhage too many viewers. But, I mean, what do you think about this? You know, they're giving it a special name to make it feel special. I mean, is this a sustainable action by WWE going forward throughout the rest of the NFL season, or is this just WWE trying to load up on the first show in hopes that, you know, they don't lose a lot of curiosity seekers of the football game.
3: Uh, I think the um, I think the latter. Yeah, I I don't see them doing this the entire uh, football season. I mean, usually the games start at you know what eight thirty or whatever. Um, so yeah, you know, I don't. Uh, I I think it's just for uh, the first week. Which uh, yeah, it, it's funny. And and by the way, I'll be watching late since the Giants are the uh, first game. Ah um, oh, yeah. You know, yeah. I, I, I just, um, you know, I, I wish they would kind of think the opposite and just let everybody get their football fix. Don't load up the show. I'm not saying, you know, don't do anything. But, you know, I, I, I think the real issue is not so much loading up the show, but loading up the show with matches that are not going to have finishes. You know, I mean, you, you could totally expect Drew Keith uh, to have a non-finish, you could totally expect a women's title match to have a non-finish. I mean all of them. the only one that probably well no even the steel cage match will have some kind of uh, shenanigans. they're all gonna end in something um because they gotta <laughs> set up uh, they gotta set up fresh champions. so uh, I think that's more the issue than loading up the show. They're not gonna load the show every week. They don't they, they just don't do that. you know that's not their uh, that's not their practice. but yeah, I think it's just. Uh, I think it's just them basically uh, marking their territory with week one of the NFL, uh, especially everybody's going to watch week one. So uh, I think it's more that than anything else.
2: Yeah, it's never really WWE's practice to load up the show, but they've never had ratings in such a free fall from year to year. Uh, as they 've had right now, so that you know desperate times may call for desperate measures for w w e if the if it works and if they are able to hold pretty steady against uh, the first week of monday night football it 's the one 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 area code I assume this is Craig from Toledo you're correct sir excellent Craig welcome to the show uh what 's on your mind tonight
6: um i 'm going straight back to uh, new Japan because okay i 'm Freaking psyched for this coming weekend and uh, the start of the. I did, I did really didn't think it was gonna happen, and it's like the most excited I've been for anything wrestling this year that it's actually gonna happen. And uh, I was wondering, do, do you know if because uh, they had the um, English commentary on the Summer Struggle, but they haven't had it. They had it live on the Summer Struggle, but they haven't had it live since. Are they going to have it live during the G1?
2: You know, I don't know. I would assume so. Um, You know, I know that they hadn't had it, like you said, until Summer Struggle, but I think the fact that it it seemed to go pretty smoothly for Summer Struggle, I don't see why they wouldn't do it for the G1, especially knowing that the G1 is the the big event, you know, for New Japan during the year, aside from Wrestle Kingdom. It's the uh, one that a lot of American fans tune in for so i would assume that they would have it i i really right, hope right. so
6: because commentary is such a big deal to me and they do such a good job with it. and they, and and summer struggle was i mean it was pretty flawless i i don't know if you watched it but it it was
2: yeah i did it was yep.
6: it went off without a hitch um right. the i was looking at the the um chris samsa the the schedule like um, like every block every night that there's gonna be and I always I've made a I made a um uh a habit of this going to look at the last nights the last night of the blocks and seeing who's who's gonna be in the last night. And I, I noticed that um Tenta and Evil are going to face each other before either of them face Naito. And then the last night Kenta faces Naito. So Kenta has to face Evil too. like In between that. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. man. There's potential for some some big time fireworks in the Bullet Club because I don't think Kenta and Evil have had many interactions. I'm... Uh, I think my question is do you think who do you think is going to win this rubber match between Evil and Naito? Um,
2: yeah, that's a tough question because you could have Evil win and it really doesn't hurt Naito especially if you're going to have Naito win as I kind of predicted him to win the block uh, earlier in the show. So if you have Evil go over him you know, Evil gets that victory. He's got the uh, he 's got the rubber match win, even if he doesn 't win the tournament or really make all that much noise. But if you want to cement Naito as you know the champion, the double champion, and also potentially going very far in this tournament and being a contender to win the B block, I think you have him go over I think frank I think we 're going to get a real um, signal of what New Japan does think of evil. Going forward, based on his performance in the G One.
3: Yeah, we uh, we talked about that earlier, and like I guess if you have, let's say you have Naito in the block, as you said, but he doesn't be evil. And uh, you know, I, I got to make a habit of looking at the matches before I even I didn't get a, didn't get a chance to do that, so I got to do that going forward. But if you have Evil beat Naito, and Naito wins the block, that could set up a match down the line, you know, between the two of them. Where you know, let's just say, because uh, I don't know what happens. You guys could tell me if the champion wins the um, if the champion wins the tournament. Uh, does he have to defend that Against somebody You know what I mean Like does he have to defend that right Against somebody And then let, let's say That somebody beats him Then he gets the title match Wrestle Kingdom Is that how it works Or uh, do I have that uh, Do I have that mixed up
6: The champion if, if if the champion wins The tournament He picks the challenger For Wrestle Kingdom
3: Right, but what I'm what I'm asking is, if, let's because normally whoever wins the tournament has to defend that right against somebody, right? So, let's say the champion wins the tournament. Does he have to defend the right to choose an opponent against somebody? And then if that opponent wins, like let's say let's say that's evil because evil beat him in the block and let's say they do Naito against Evil, Evil wins, does that set up an Evil versus Naito match at Wrestle Kingdom? Because I was just thinking that's a scenario that
10: could
6: happen. If, if Evil beats Naito in the block, then he gets a shot at Naito any time. Yeah. But since there's only like two and a half months between like the end of the tournament and Wrestle Kingdom, it's going to be really difficult to kind of arrange that kind of stuff. Uh, Which was what I was, that was going to be my next question. Like the, I mean, Suzuki has the never open championship and who, I mean, unless he goes undefeated, he's going to have like three or four matches. He's going to have to have before Wrestle Kingdom unless they, you know, unless they carry it over after Wrestle Kingdom, you know, or just have him get beaten and then they just forget about it or whatever. But I I don't know. know.
2: Yeah, I, I don't know it's, it's, it, New Japan is going to have to do things a little differently than they do Based on the timing of the G1 And you know, how close and proximity it is to Wrestle Kingdom So you know, I think New Japan does kind of get into this you know Tradition means a lot more in Japan and With Japanese wrestling than it does in America And so this sort of gets New Japan out of its comfort zone It gets them to look at things maybe a little differently and it gets them to try new things a little differently. So, you know, there are positives, there are advantages to keeping the same schedule every year and, and doing it by the same, you know, token every year. But having to sort of think on your feet and having to mix things up a little bit, I think is also advantageous from a booking standpoint, because you get to see a booker kind of try to think outside the box and, and think outside of what they normally would do. So, you know, I think there's advantage to that there
8: Searching for more great pro wrestling talk? Then join me, Jason Powell, host of the free weekly Pro Wrestling Boom podcast. Each week, you'll hear the latest news and analysis from me and my team at ProWrestling.net along with other pro wrestling media members. Plus, the Pro Wrestling Boom podcast features long-form interviews with notable names in the pro wrestling industry. Subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, Downcast, and all your favorite secondary apps, or visit us directly at PWBoom.com. Once again,
5: that's PWBoom.com.
2: Uh, Craig, your your third and final question or comment for us tonight.
6: The John Moxley effect. The U.S. Championship is still around his waist. Is he going to go over to Japan in January? I mean, I, he's not in the G1. He's not involved at all in the in anything that G, that New Japan is doing. Like, do you think he's going to go over? Because they have. That they had that little tournament thing over here and I assumed that was to set up a match for Wrestle Kingdom but it I mean apparently all these guys cause uh, Kenta and uh, Jay White and uh, Jeff Cobb and all these guys are going over to Japan I assume that travel is okay to go to Japan is, is, is Moxley gonna go And I'll uh, hang up and listen. Thanks.
2: Thank you, Craig. Um, I can only speculate to this because, uh, you know, January is about four months away, which in, in, in 2020 is like an eternity, Frank. So, so much can change between now and then, right? So, it's so hard to say right now, and I don't even know if New Japan knows right now. I think they would obviously like to have him there for Wrestle Kingdom and to at least drop the United States title if it comes to that but you know hopefully things will be good enough that he can travel over there that he's comfortable enough traveling over there that's a big one too and uh you know I I think there's a hope that that's going to happen but I think this far out it's really hard to say for sure
3: yeah, I mean, I can uh, I can only speculate at best. I mean, four months is an eternity. A month is an eternity uh, these days. I mean, for God's sakes, uh, everything uh, everything changes. Um, I mean, I, I wouldn't put it past them if he can't get over there because I don't believe he can. I, I thought there was some kind of restriction, and I could be wrong on this. I thought there was a restriction with him not being able to work a New Japan match in the United States. Uh, because it's something between AEW and, and New Japan I don't know yeah, that about be. that yeah so you know if that's the case which was surprising that they well no they, they did the tournament to have the uh, the title match so I, I would guess if they had the tournament uh, I guess they figured they could get him over there and uh, work rest- I mean I, I couldn't see why they wouldn't want him to get over there so uh, if travel is okay I, I, I don't see the issue but uh You know, it wouldn't surprise me if they, uh, if he can't make it, if they just strip the title off of him, because they've done that before. I think they, uh, I don't know who they, I think it was Juice Robinson, or I I forgot who they took the U.S. title off, but they did that last year during one of the tours, and uh, they had a match for the the championship that same night, so uh, yeah, we'll just have to see what happens.
2: Six two three, we're coming to you next. But first, I want to hit NXT. Rhea Ripley defeated Mercedes Martinez in a steel cage match in the main event last week. Ben Balor winning the NXT title from Adam Cole this coming week on Wednesday night. Breezango versus Imperium, Timothy Thatcher versus Damian Priest, and Io Shirai versus Shotzi Blackheart. We go back to Jack A for a question on NXT. He says, "Hello, Greg and Frank. Hope you're both doing well. Uh, just wanted to get your opinion on the last two weeks of NXT on Tuesdays." I felt like the shows have flowed much better, and I've enjoyed them much more than the usual Wednesday night slot. Do you think both? Uh, do you both think it's best them going on Tuesdays from now on to get the best possible product? He also says, relating to his uh, previous question, just wanted to add: Who would have thought a few years ago we'd have Bailey, Sami Zayn, and now Roman Reigns as high-level heels? To me, they are hitting it out of the park with every chance they are getting. Uh, I would uh, agree with that as well. But um, to Jack's first question, uh, Tuesdays is that? We talked about earlier Impact Wrestling possibly moving out of Tuesdays if NXT were to decide to move to Tuesdays. Uh, do you think it would? I really don't see how it would have an effect on the product, other than they don't have to worry about counter programming AEW, which they absolutely do, even if they don't admit it. Um, I don't know that it would improve the product all that much. I think sometimes counter program can help improve the product rather than uh, be a detriment. But what do you think? Tuesday nights, do you think that has the potential to actually make NXT a better on-screen product?
3: I don't personally think that a move to another night makes a product better. I think the people writing and producing the product make it better. I think that if you make a conscious decision to just write your show Don't worry about what the other show is doing. Let them be them and let you be you. You know, I think that that would make it better than a particular move. Now, you know, I I guess they would feel less compelled to compete, as you said. So in that regard, yes. But I think if they just, you know, if they just stopped worrying about AEW, you know, just do what you do. You have the talent. You have the talent down there. It's it's all there, you know, and just write a sensible show, you know, write a show that makes sense, you know, and everything will be fine. And I think the the viewership this past week uh, was a reflection of that. I mean, AEW hit over a million, but uh, if I'm not mistaken, I don't have it in front of me. I think NXT did about, what, 850 or something like that, somewhere close. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, the the evidence is there that people want to watch, Um so, yeah, I mean, uh, it, it, I, 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 guess, uh, I guess my long answer is because they won't feel as compelled to compete, yeah, maybe that does make the product better. But my point is that shouldn't be the reason. It should just be you write a good show and everything will be fine. So that's just
4: my take on it. Yeah.
2: All right, uh, going back to the phones, the 623 area code, 623, you're on Wrestling Night in America. Please state your name and where you're calling from.
11: Hey Greg, hey Frank, this is Brian calling from Phoenix, 29 year senior PW Towards VIP subscriber. How are you both doing?
2: Uh, doing well, Brian. Thanks for staying in line um, and uh, uh, appreciate you uh, listening tonight. Um, what's your uh, first question for us tonight?
11: I'll say this really quick, Greg. Uh, I have much respect for both you and Frank. And being 29 years a VIP subscriber, 30 will be in February. Uh, if anybody's, li- or of course a lot of people are listening, uh, please give VIP a chance because uh, Wade and Greg, like yourself, do incredible uh, amount of good work for wrestling. So if you're not a subscriber, I say take a chance with it.
2: Thank you. Appreciate that. PWtorch.com/goVIP is where you can find the details.
11: So, Greg and um, Frank, I have a lot of stuff to talk about. However, it's late in the show, and I like to try, want to try to eat dinner and then do some more um, doctoral homework. I'll talk about a couple things really briefly, and I do have a question for you two. Uh, Frank and I had an interesting, I say always a good discussion, and we can say discussion about the main event on Raw. We'll assume it'll be the main event on Raw between um, Drew McIntyre and Keith Lee. I don't have a problem with it being like you know the first day of Monday Night Football. We can call it hot shotting You can call it that they have they have in a way built it up for the last couple of weeks since Keith Lee came on. Earlier, Frank talked about um, Bailey and Sasha, or Sa- or Bailey turning on Sasha, and he gave an analogy as far as it's kind of similar to Michaels versus Genetti. And I would disagree with that because they both were faces when Michaels turned heel on Genetti, where both Sasha. And, um, Bailey were both heels at that time. Um, Vincent the caller. Mentioned about uh, Keith Lee wrestling meaning meaningless matches. It sounds good on paper, maybe on voice, that it's meaningless, but there really is no such thing as a meaningless match. If you expand your thought pattern and think about, okay, they're wrestling for title shots or for vengeance because one person wronged another one. There, every match has meaning once you again you expand your thought pattern into that. And you take the uh, overused term for us uh, wrestling internet people as like. is um, making the matches count, or, um, or or having some kind of feel to that match. So those are my. Oh, you know, other thing that uh, Frank just talked about, counter programming. So um, WWE counter programming, AEW, or NXT, maybe more specifically counter programming AEW. I um, it's been, of course, we know that uh, counter programming has been going on probably since television was first invented. Or first as a medium, and I'll I'll do a dated one, but it kind of makes sense. Is that the uh, uh, a nice subject uh, is the Cosby Show? We all know back in the late 80s, early 90s that the Cosby Show was the number one show on NBC. Now, what the nascent Fox network did was actually counter program and put The Simpsons up against the Cosby Show. And you know, The Simpsons, of course, pop culture way back then, and there was a lot. You know, they're still popular now, but um, pretty popular back then as they were growing. Now, was it a of course, did uh, the Simpsons ever beat the Cosmina ratings? I don't think so, but then it was that they gave a different, different view or different, they were looking at a different audience. Plus, it was, again, counter-programming. So counter-programming has been around for a while. It's not necessarily a new thing for it. Where, mm-hmm. um, and, again, that's kind of an opposite, where you have the giant WWE counter programs A AEW versus the smaller Fox counter program against NBC. Um, So those are my couple of takes And then if you want to talk about any of those, it's fine And I'll ask my question, I'll get off the line and let everybody have a good night
2: Yeah, I think um, you make a good point about the the matches And and the the meaningless matches Um, You know, part of it is how WWE presents them too You know, there is some subliminal ways that WWE tells the viewers Whether a match is important or not um and so i think we take our cues from how wwe presents them when during the show they present them how the announcers treat the matches whether they talk about the matches and the stakes or if they talk about a different feud so you know it's it's on wwe as well to get a hold of the viewer and say hey what's happening now is important and i think the counter programming point is a good one as well um obviously counter programming has been has been going on for a while um and, and, yeah, I think that's something we should take into consideration when we talk about AEW versus NXT on Wednesdays. Frank, any reaction to any of the points Brian made here?
3: Yeah, no, I, Brian, I appreciate the kind words. Always enjoy talking to you on uh, Facebook and Twitter and uh, appreciate your, uh, your taste. I mean, my, my, my thing with Keith Lee and Drew McIntyre, I just feel like it's a big match. I just feel like it's two guys that... You know, I mean, they have big plans for Heath Lee, and it's just not something they should give away so quickly. It's something that they should go to, you know. And uh, I mean, look, it's not that they don't have a reason for the match, I and mean, it's two top stars, but just to basically announce it, you know, on uh, a couple of days before the show, you know, it, it doesn't really, it doesn't really tell me that it's important. Now, maybe in today's audience, you know, maybe they think so. For people that follow social media. But I I, I just think that that's something that you you wait and you build towards down the line because, you know, if you want to have uh, a match down the line, it's not going to feel as special. I mean, we'll still watch it, don't get me wrong, we're still going to watch the match, but it's not going to have that special of a feeling because you've already seen it. Um, Just to clarify one thing, I was not – I don't think that the turns between Bailey and Sasha – and uh, the rockers are similar at all. I, and that that wasn't my point. And if I uh, made you uh, think that that was my thought process, let me apologize. I was my my point simply was there was a story in that rockers breakup that you felt bad, like you felt bad for Marty. You thought that Shawn Michaels was a scumbag for throwing him through the uh, uh, through the window. In this particular point, you know they they put pieces in place before the turn actually happened. But why did Bailey pick that particular moment? What was it about that particular night that made her snap? And I just feel like they kind of left that hole in the story. I still liked overall what they did. I'm not saying I didn't like it, but I just feel like they left a hole in the story and it didn't get the sympathy on Sasha that I feel like we needed. So we'll see what happens. And I told Bailey the other night, and I'm sure you listen to the post show. We have to hear from Sasha. We have to hear what she says and we have to see what kind of match they have. And then we can look back on the whole story and uh see if they did a good job. So, um, you know, just to kind of clarify uh, my thoughts on that. And uh, look, yeah, counter programming has been around forever. I mean it's you know, it's it's not something that's uh it's not something that's new, but um you know, if 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 WWE did move NXT off of Wednesday night, I don't um, I don't feel like they would have to count a program. I feel like they would give away less matches, and they would you know do what they were doing more in the uh, in the time period that they were on the network, building towards those big matches. You know, making them feel special, uh, not uh, really giving stuff away, not doing so much cartoonish stuff, and uh, you know, it might be. Uh, It's not not, not that a move should force that, you know, I I don't feel like a move should force that, but if they did move off of Wednesday nights, then they wouldn't have to do such stuff.
11: All right, Brian, back to you for your question for us. Sure, Greg. Um, And, Frank, thanks a lot for the, uh, of course, the intelligent um, conversation. Uh, one thing I'll well, I can't quote exactly how Bailey said it, unfortunately, but she did provide some rationale on Friday about why she did what she did to, um, to Sasha. The other thing I will always go back to my bellwether as far as uh, rushing matches or hot-shotting matches is that Steve Austin um, faced the new WWE, let's say the new WWE champion, The Rock, on the night after Survivor Series 1998 on Raw with. Not even with a days with an in 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 raw program notice that he was going to get a title shot against The Rock. This was four months before the WrestleMania 15 match, and even though that match happened, of course it was a Smas I love that term Smas. Even though it was a Smas, they still had no problem with them going to WrestleMania 15 with where they had a really good match. So anytime I would. Su- suggested people when they bring up okay this match they shouldn't have this match it's going to be the first time that they uh the first time they should be touching is at a big show like wrestlemania I always go back to that didn't affect um a very short notice match between the rock versus austin for rock's wwe title right after the night of the survivor series and then it was four months before their wrestlemania 15 match so, Greg and Frank, again, thanks a lot for having me on. I, I don't want to keep everybody too much later. My question is, and I brought this up on, on last Wednesday's East Coast cast, the VIP, I'm sorry, the exclusive VIP portion of the East Coast cast for both Travis Bryan and Rich Fan. And this question was, and you kind of talked about it a little bit already, um, Greg and Frank, but I'll give you a different twist on this. Let's say that Keith Lee wins the Royal Rumble, and then let's say Big E wins the Elimination Chamber. All being said, that Roman Reigns is still a Universal Champion at that time, and Drew McIntyre is a WWE Champion still at that time. So my question to you two is, who fights who? So let's say, of course, Kipewi wins the Royal Rumble. He gets a chance to pick which one he wants to, to face, either Drew McIntyre or Roman Reigns. That leaves Big E to face the other person who uh, the other person who Lee didn't pick. So again, my question is. Lee wins the Royal Rumble. Big E wins the en- Elimination Chamber. Who should fight Roman Reigns, and who should wrestle uh, Drew McIntyre? So I'll hang on and listen. And uh, again, Frank and Greg, thanks a lot for having me on, as always, and have a real good night.
2: Yep, you thanks, do the Brian. same, Brian. Thank you for your uh, uh, thoughtful comments and question here. You know, I think, um, and, and things could look different months from now, but I take is the way they introduced Keith Lee as... A friend of Drew McIntyre, a good friend of Drew McIntyre, coming to Drew McIntyre's aid, defending him against the attacks of Randy Orton. I think you got to do Keith Lee versus Drew McIntyre. They've spent the time, and granted, it's just a few weeks now, but I would presume they continue going forward, building the building the uh, roots of this McIntyre Lee friendship, building the the foundation of it. And so, when you get to WrestleMania time you have Keith Lee, friend of Drew McIntyre, challenging McIntyre for the title. So it's not the, you know, heel versus babyface, babyface vanquishes nasty heel, it is Lee and McIntyre as friends going at it competitively and, you know, neither of them backing down, but I think that would be a unique opportunity and a unique storytelling device for WWE. Then you have Big E and Roman Reigns I know Big E and Roman Reigns are no strangers, they've they've been on the same side before, and I think Big E could be uh, the conscience of SmackDown, I think he could act as the conscience of SmackDown and really confront Roman Reigns with how Reigns had changed, uh, buddying up with Paul Heyman in a way that you know maybe others up to that point will not have done uh jay uso may not do it he may not have time to do it uh with with clash of champions coming um pretty soon the fiend probably is not going to do it that's not his character to do it for if the eventuality comes that the fiend faces reigns which seems inevitable and you know it, Strowman is still there as a potential opponent for reigns one-on-one i don't think Strowman's the guy to to be as eloquent about it as Big E could do. So, you know, I think Big E could be that guy on SmackDown. And, you know, by the time WrestleMania rolls around, Big E could have been built up over these next several months as being a real threat to the championship, being built up from a mid-card babyface um jokester to a serious potential threat to the the championship at a WrestleMania level. If WWE plays their cards right, they could have him in that spot by next spring.
0: Hey, Harley, remember the days when women's wrestling matches were relegated to the mid card dumping ground and treated like a glorified intermission?
7: You mean the era when it was only men in the top spots in the main events getting the biggest matches every night?
0: Yeah. Hmm, vaguely. Seriously, while we might have a long way to go, we really have come a long way, baby. And that's why we started Grit and Glitter, a podcast covering the best in the world of women's wrestling.
7: From the horsewomen of WWE to the goddesses of stardom and everyone in between. Each Tuesday, Emily, myself, and our team of guest correspondents talk the best matches and the biggest news in women's wrestling.
0: Plus, interviews, deep dives, and discussions about everything from media representation to gear to women in behind-the-scenes roles.
7: Just search PW Torch in the podcast app of your choice to subscribe. Or listen on demand and see the entire PW Torch Daily DailyCast schedule at pwtorchdailycast.com.
2: So that's where I would go with that. Frank, I'm interested to hear your thoughts.
3: Well, I hadn't thought about it the way Brian brought it up, but if uh, you lay out that scenario, yeah, I, I think that makes sense. Biggie and, uh, Big e and Roman and, uh, and Drew and Keith Lee. I, I still like my Keith Lee-Roman scenario based on the uh, Survivor Series um, interaction. So, I mean, if you don't do that at WrestleMania, you can always save that. You know, you could save that for, uh, for down the line. You could do that at SummerSlam, you know, next year if you want, depending on where everybody is, depending on where people move in the draft. So, uh, so that's possible. Uh, the only other person I, uh, I thought of, but they, they just turned him heel and I haven't explained it, and we'll see what happens, was Aleister Black. But I guess uh, with Paul Heyman not being in charge of uh, Raw, I guess things have changed in that regard, so I uh, I kind of had him uh, as a Royal rumble candidate, but I guess I'll table that. But uh, yeah, I um, putting it that way, I I, I could see the uh, I could see the scenario he lays out for sure. And we got to see what happens with the draft. That's that's the other thing too. We got to see. Yeah. Uh, you know, we got to see what happens. The draft uh, is a wrench in the plans that
2: can. That, that can screw up all of our long term booking as we sit here. So that's something we gotta be very careful yeah, and, of. And, and
3: well, they had a little color. They had a little color. You could do. I mean, I could even see. You know, Drew and Roman Reigns. I mean, if, if Drew, let's say Drew loses the title, uh, because Vince wants to get in that win in front of fans. Um, you know, Drew uh, against Roman Reigns, Big E against Keith Lake at WrestleMania. I wouldn't. Uh, You know, I don't know if they would go in that direction. That means, you know, uh, I guess, uh, you know, Biggie or Keith Lee would have to win the title beforehand, so I don't know if they would do that, but I wouldn't rule that out either. Again, draft is a big case. So I just wanted to add that extra scenario in.
2: And we'll close out talking about AEW. Got a couple email questions to get to as well. The big news from this past week's AEW, Kenny Omega going out on his own now that he and Adam Cole have lost the tag titles to FTR. Chris Jericho and Jake Hager, however, are jumping into the tag team division, going after the tag team titles. Uh, Lance Archer will cash in his uh, Battle Royal victory for a title shot at John Moxley on October 14th, and Jurassic Express versus FTR will take place next week. Real quick question here from uh, Chris from Reading PA. This is sort of AEW-related, sort of not. He says, for all of AEW's faults, you get results to their matches. Sometimes matches probably should get thrown out that don't, but you get results to something advertised. I tuned into SmackDown because I was interested in AJ Styles versus Jeff Hardy, and what started as a good match ended with a DQ. This is the same thing that happened on Monday with Orton versus Lee. We know this will happen with Drew versus Lee this coming Monday. Why even have these matches if we all are just waiting for the DQ finish? It's insulting and wasting all of our time. It really just seems like they are filling the five hours of time they have to fill. So, I, WWE is using the DQ finish as a storytelling device more so than at any other time I can remember. And it's really become a crutch for their storytelling. The only way they seem to advance stories is someone interfering in a match or someone distracting someone leading to a finish. And that's very frustrating because, yeah, you do want clean finishes as often as possible. Now, you know Drew versus Keith Lee... Um, I don't think anyone's going to expect a clean finish, nor should it, because if there's a clean finish, there's really nowhere to go with that story. There's nowhere to go. It could damage both guys or either guy who loses. So having the DQ finish makes sense. Now, the argument there is, okay, then don't do the match, which I totally get. Um, But it seems in SmackDown, I was watching that today, and SmackDown was really guilty of this, the DQ finishes and the stupid finishes and things like that. But to me, Frank, it would be okay if there were more DQ finishes on TV that eventually led to matches on pay-per-view having clean finishes. We saw that at Payback. We saw most of the finishes have clean finishes at Payback. But when you do DQ finishes and no contests and interference and cheap finishes leading up to a pay-per-view like SummerSlam, and then do all those finishes again on the pay-per-view, then it really becomes frustrating as a viewer because it feels like you're not getting the payoff of someone actually winning and someone actually losing by one person being better than the other person.
3: Yeah, I mean, we could really go down a rabbit hole with this, so I'll, I'll do the condensed version as best as possible, um, when you do the DQ finishes as much as you do, and they've been doing them a ton lately, it teaches people don't watch the matches; they don't matter because uh, you know we're just we're just doing this uh, we're just doing this finish and nothing ever gets resolved. And as you said, when you do that at the pay per views as well, it teaches people the same thing: why bother watching the match? I'm an advocate for using them judiciously. There was a SummerSlam match two years ago. I will never forget your rant on the post-show on the AJ Styles Samoa Joe match. That was actually the right use of the DQ. It fit the story. And I was guilty. I was guilty of complaining about it on Twitter. And I was listening to your show. I'm like, oh, no, he's not talking about me. But that's another story. Um, (laughs) You know, the problem is, when you do it so much, you don't even recognize when it makes sense, okay? You're just like, oh yeah. another DQ, ah, oh, another DQ. And it might be a DQ that actually works. You know, I actually thought that the DQ in the AJ Styles-Jeff uh, uh, match actually worked the other night. Because they are working towards a story where Sandy's involved and probably going to have a triple threat, which... Also, and I'm not a fan of triple threat matches, but it actually works for this particular story, so I was fine with that. But you still have that twinge of frustration because they do it all the time, you know. And if you do it, if you do it smart, if you do it judiciously, okay, it actually stands out. It actually means something, okay. And it, it's not just, it's not just a crutch that you like. They just do it so much that it becomes commonplace and it becomes expected, you know, and it just renders the matches, uh, it renders the matches useless. And uh, so, yeah, that's just, uh, that's just where we are. I mean, I wish that, I wish that they would use a larger roster and not necessarily have squash matches, but have people win matches that make sense, okay, and build them up, makes them feel like stars, build up their opponent and then you head towards a bigger match at a pay-per-view or even a Raw or SmackDown down the line instead of doing these non-finishes because, that just, as I said, it just wastes people's time watching TV.
2: Our final email tonight is from Al in New York City. He says, Greg and Frank, a lot has been said about the Matt Hardy-Sammy Guevara match, but one other thing needs to be said. If Jericho can put over Orange Cassidy, Sammy should have been booked to win against Matt Hardy. On a recent podcast, Jason Powell and Wade talked about potential big money matches. If Brock Lesnar signed with AEW, one potential match Jason and Wade did not mention was Brock versus Orange Cassidy. I think people would pay $50 to see that match. Your thoughts? Um, I think the interaction between them would be really funny. I don't know about the match itself. I think it could work because I think Orange could bump around for Brock, but you know, part of me says I don't know if Brock would be interested in Orange's shenanigans, I don't know if he would get Orange Cassidy, like Chris Jericho didn't get Orange Cassidy at first um, but ultimately Lesnar's in it for the money and I don't know if he cares about protecting his character as much as long as he's getting paid, so uh, what do you think about the potential of Brock Lesnar versus Orange Cassidy?
3: Honestly, Chris that's not something I would have ever thought of I uh, it's, it's interesting I mean, from a promo standpoint and from television leading up uh, I just don't have a lot of faith in the match. I just, uh, I don't, uh, I don't know though, you know, I mean, as they say, money talks and you know what walks. So, uh, you yeah. know, if Brock's getting a nice juicy, uh, you know, seven figures to, to knock around Orange Cassidy for three minutes, you know, who's he to say no? I mean, if, if it's something that he wants to do, uh, <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm, I'm just laughing because I'm just, like, I'm just picturing the, uh, the two of them in the ring and I'm picturing, uh, Brock looking at uh, Cassidy with his hands in his pockets. I'm just like, oh, my yeah. God. Like it's, it's, I, I shouldn't look for that in wrestling. I shouldn't. But that would be pretty funny. I, I guess it would be entertaining. So, uh, yeah, uh, check back with me in a week.
2: <laughs> okay. <laughs> and finally, from Al, prediction time, who signs Tessa Blanchard? If WWE signs Tessa, do they make her go to NXT or send her directly to the main roster? So real quick, Frank, um, does WWE sign Tessa, or does someone else, do you think?
3: Mm, WWE signed Tessa. Oh, God, oh,
4: God.
3: I'll say yes. I'll say they sign her. What do you think?
2: Yeah, I mean, I I think... Yeah, it, it's tough. I wrote a column about this a couple of weeks ago about you know her being a free agent and and being a real hot name, but just the baggage that she comes with is making people very wary about um, getting involved with her. And so you know, at some point, does the combination of the economics and everything make sense for a WWE or AEW, or does she go to you know another company? I don't know if MLW is interested in doing. Uh, intergender matches. I don't think they really have a women's division, but MLW maybe could could do it. Um, I don't I don't really see her going to uh, ROH, but maybe like if if she's getting no bites from WWE and AEW in a few months, is that an option for her? So I think at some point one of these companies going to bite the bullet, whether it's AEW or or WWE. I don't really have a good feeling about which one it is. Um, I kind of toward AEW a little bit I I think they'd be more willing to to take the risk and to um put her in their locker room I think it's it may be a little healthier place for her maybe than WWE but I I don't know I, I don't really have a good feeling one way or the other especially now she's been a free agent for a couple months now and someone as talented as her should not be a free agent for this long but again it's the um It's the the baggage that she comes with, the controversy that she's been surrounded in in her time in wrestling that have, I think, made companies very worried about that. So uh, we'll we'll have to see. But, uh, Frank, it's always a pleasure to have you on the show. Uh, Really, uh, thank you for joining us this week. Uh, Before we let you go, I'll let you plug your social media and what you do for The Torch.
3: Well, Greg, thank you for the kind words. I always enjoy uh, coming on the show with you. Always enjoy chatting, wrestling with you and uh, the uh, listeners and readers. Uh, please follow me on social media at Frank Annie. That's at Frank. Spell the name Pete. Put an A N I at the end. Uh, you could find my Raw and SmackDown primers on uh, Monday and Friday. I usually get them loaded up uh, by lunchtime. Uh, depending on when WWE has their stuff out. Uh, them announcing their matches ahead of time was actually a pleasure this week because it was an easy
2: prime of the right. I pretty <laughs> much have it done. I, I was thinking of you, and... Frank, when I saw that. I was thinking of you when I saw that. <laughs>
3: Yeah, I'm just like any anytime I see this Monday on Raw, I'm like, oh good, stuff I can write about, you know. Like I don't have to go, uh, I don't have to go waiting until the last minute. It, it's a pain the uh, the day after pay-per-views because they never post anything until like six o'clock, and it's just so uh, it's just so frustrating. SmackDown, they're actually pretty good. I don't know if that's because they're on Fox and they feel under pressure, uh, but uh, yeah, Raw could be a real. Uh, well, it could be a real pain in the ass, but, uh, yeah, I, uh, I do those, and they're, like I said, they're usually up by lunchtime, and, uh, yeah, on Twitter, you know, hit me up, chat wrestling, sports, uh, I usually put some uh, aviation stuff up, and, uh, you know, hits of my dogs, cats, and whatever I'm cooking, so if you're into that sort of thing, uh, hey, you know, you'll, uh, you'll get a look, but uh, always happy to chat with everybody, and as I said, Greg, always a pleasure talking to you.
2: Appreciate it, Frank and uh you can follow me on twitter at greg m parks i'll be here next week 8 p.m eastern with our clash of champions preview show yes it's almost time for another wwe pay-per-view so i'll have a guest host on next week talking about that Uh, because if it's sunday don't forget it's wrestling night in america
1: by popular demand we're now offering a payment method in addition to paypal which has served us well for a long time you now can sign up directly on our vip signup form and become a vip member in about 30 seconds by entering your debit or credit card number right on our signup form. We use the Stripe payment service. It's safe, it's secure, it's encrypted, and we never see the details, but within a minute, you're a VIP member. And we're running a sale right now. It's our second sale of 2020, just announced this month. You can go VIP for just 99 cents for a full month. That'll cover everything we do for SummerSlam, TakeOver 30, and All Out, with everything else before, during, and in between. All you have to do is enter August 2020 as the coupon code on our streamlined, simplified signup form. Go to pwtorch.com govip. That is pwtorch.com govip. That'll tell you everything about what comes with the VIP membership, the weekly newsletter, PDF and all-text format, exclusive content, a lot of my writing, editorials, cover stories, our staff feature columns, and so much more. Again, in PDF and all text format, plus our entire podcast lineup, new podcasts every single day that are VIP-exclusive, ad-free versions of the Wade Keller podcasts and the PW Torch Daily Cast, and archives dating back to the late 1980s, over 1,600 back issues of the Pro Wrestling Torch Weekly Newsletter, hundreds of retro radio shows from the 1990s, plus an ad-free version of our redesigned and revamped website, pwtorch.com. Check out the new look, the new logo, the new layout, and enjoy it ad free as a vip member again go to pwtorch.com govip and for just 99 cents that's nine dollars off our monthly sub by the way you can apply the nine dollar discount to our three month and one year sub if you'd rather go to pwtorch.com govip click on the sign up form and then enter coupon code august 2020 you can still use paypal or you can enter your credit card or debit card directly on our sign-up form. It takes just 90 seconds, and you will unlock access to over three decades of Torch-style wrestling coverage. There's an unmatched incredible array of insider information, editorials, interviews, contemporaneous coverage of pro wrestling's biggest matches, biggest events. Check it out, pwtorch.com govip. Come on back or join us for the first time. Enter coupon code AUGUST2020 to get $9 off whatever VIP subscription term you choose. That brings one month down to just 99 cents. Give it a shot. We think you will love it. We appreciate your support.